the BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you in part by our generous sponsors, GoDaddy.com, ThinkGeek.com, and Buy.com, and also from the generous contributions of, and this list is long, Zertz, Knight Errant JR, Avendasora, Infinity Doctor, Wookie Daddy, Galio, Tedward, Joe Carlson, Ratniff, Rikoshi, Phil Mandalorian, Darth Hubian, Chris Hunt, Jawas 8, My Jedi, Paul Klein, Darth Voldemort, and Shadowstar. Now we pause for this important announcement. Katie, this is Sam. Happy 30th birthday. Hi, this is Rikoshi, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Except for when Sam Witwer is on. He's kind of dreamy. Hi, this is Tyler Tinsley, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Congrats on the any guys. You deserve it. Uh, this is Gary M. Sarley, and I still never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Greetings, programs. You're back. This is Sunday, September the 6th, 2009. By the time we're finished, it'll be Monday, September 7th, Labor Day, 2009. And you're back for another edition of the Order 66 podcast, episode number 79. And we have a fantastic show for you tonight. We will begin by introducing the regulars. First, a man who needs no introduction, GM Chris. If I need no introduction, then why did you introduce me? Okay, moving on. (laughs) To a woman who obviously needs a small introduction. Twilight Goodness. Only a small one. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today, Dave? Oh, we're doing great. And so, you know, we have like two guests that are going to be on the show with us today. And the first has been with us before. He's he's like a dude. He's a dude. He's occasionally on TV. And, you know, the, the dude that my daughter was like, wow, I didn't know you had a hot friend that you talked to on the radio. <laughs> that, and that would be uh, that would be Sam Whitmer. Can't comment on the daughter thing, man. I'm sorry. It's just, I know, I it's, know. You know. But did you see? Her, yeah. Did you see her? Did you see her just kind of tooling around, looking at looking at you, and then looking down at the ground and looking at you? you know. Anyway, yeah, she was. She I just was, thought that was because I was old and not cool or something. No, she was kind of crushing. Wasn't the quote actually? I can't believe you have a hot old guy friend or for an old guy or something for like that? An, yeah, that? for an old guy. That's true. That is what... For an old yeah, guy. Let's yeah. be clear on that. I'm an old guy. That's right. <laughs> yep. And then yep. another who you will know is Rex Remus. Rex Remus. We will... Chuck. Chuck. Hello, Chuck. What's going on? Hello, guys. Hello. 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Like the, one of the droids from... Um, yeah, Chuck, please say new acquisitions. You are a protocol droid, are you not? Do it. <laughs> new acquisitions? <laughs> you are a protocol <laughs> droid, are you not? I am C-3PO, in cyborg relations. <laughs> three CPO? Three, yo, I'm three CPO. <laughs> yo, well, Lucas is modernizing, you know. He wants to get in with That's the street right. kids. All oh, right, this is going to be uh, such a great show. And by the way, I need to play this again. The BBC oh. would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. All right, those of you listening to this for podcast those, with any Or kids, any other scenes, for that matter. Just yeah. turn it off now. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much it's 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 not even that we're planning on doing anything that's uh, explicit. It's just that we have uh, some, you know, instability. I'll just put it that way. Instability with with this many hosts and co-hosts and crazy people. Who knows what's going to happen? Fuck yeah. See, <laughs> see, see, see what happened. Look, un- instability. Um, yeah, I had no instability. idea that was going to happen. I mean, that's that's <laughs> chaos. That's chaos right there. Who who would have predicted that, you know, somebody would jump out that's of a right. moving vehicle? I mean, that's, that's the just essence. Just drop the F-bomb. The like that. That's, that's how I roll. I'm a essence. loose cannon. The essence Dave. of chaos. You know, you know, I've got such talent on this show, uh, uh, GM Chris, that we can probably carry on without you. Yeah, probably. That- but for, for Pete's sake, do you really want to? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's my wife, oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Give me a couple of batteries and then he's fine to go off on his oh, own. Yeah. A couple of batteries. Yeah, it's firm. Story of my life, That's, man. <laughs> That's all all we are to you is you just look at us as uh what? Meat cannon. Like meat yeah. cannon. Yeah. Meat Charged can. by energizer. Oh man. Wow. That's it. That's it. That's all I am. That, that's well, all despite I this uh, entertaining uh, interlude, uh, for those of you who may be tuning into this podcast for the very first time, God help you. Uh, this <laughs> is the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast devoted entirely to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And uh, we have a great episode lined up for you guys tonight. We're glad to welcome Sam and Chuck here to do a, a long-awaited episode we've been planning for a little while where we're going to get uh, kind of gooey on you guys as, in, in lieu of our normal crunchy. So it'll Gooey. be, uh, and we don't mean graphical user interface. Thank you, IT Dave. No problem. Nice. I thought it was funny, Dave. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. There you are. Very nice. Well, O M G. Whoa, 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 whoa. Say that like a 12 year old girl. O M G. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Gamer Nation. A big round of applause, please, for Fiddleback, who is in the chat room. Brian is live, and game on lives! Uh, <laughs> yes. I know a couple people who are extremely happy about this. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Episode 27 of everyone's favorite random gaming podcast has cometh. They're down a host, but they replace Andy's infectious laughter with an eerily reminiscent laugh track, which is kind of creepy if you actually sit down and listen to it. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so episode 27 of Game Up, uh, Game On is up, uh, Gamer Nation. So go, uh, go check it out. It is pure goodness. That's right. So the next challenge is to retake the crown in the horse race known as Game On versus RFH. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. So meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast has returned with the 21st episode talking all about 6th edition of the Hero System. Mostly Joe, again, comes up with, uh, well, a second visit with a systems and designer and sort of all-around cool guy, Steve Long. So you guys check out MTSGP. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the acronym again? Uh, meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast. Uh, and thank you very much. All right, juicy bits of web goodness. In case um, you guys maybe have been like living in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears and, and blindfolded, and you, you've not heard uh, about the new edition of the Force Unleashed video game that is coming out, um, big fan service, Sam. <coughs> uh, <coughs> uh, the Ultimate Sith Edition uh, releases actually in disc format on November 3rd, 2009, I do believe. However, there is new content on it, which can be downloaded right now via Xbox Live, uh, which is uh, very cool. In fact, um, the Tatooine level downloaded to my Xbox this afternoon. I just have yet to play it. So. Mm. Yay! And if you guys want to see the uh, trailer for this uh, new version of The Force Unleashed, of course, go to theforceunleashed.com where you can view it uh, and see, see Sam's uh, placid face standing there stoically looking all, like, you know, sissy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. that. Yeah. And then get your ass over to GameSpot. Oh, I thought he said flaccid. I'm sorry. Go on. I thought he said flaccid, too. Yeah. Oh, well, either way. Get your ass over to GameStop or GameSpot. Or where the hell are we voting for you? It's oh, dude, dude, it's too late. The brackets passed. Oh, it's oh, too it's late. Over? No, the the Rusky, the freaking Rusky. They put me up against Grand Theft Auto, man. Yeah, Nico. Oh, Nico. you gotta Nico. be kidding me. Nope. He, nope. It was close. It was like fifty-five to forty-four percent. I think. I didn't even. I didn't yeah. even notice who you were up against. I just went and voted. Ten. Ten percent margin. That was it. Ten. Well, yeah, that's, that's within uh, the margin of error. I need. A, I need a recount. Who would have thought that the fall of the Soviet Union would hurt Star Wars like that? You know. I know. Good point. <sighs> Damn Ruskies. Yeah. All right. Fine. All right. So it's all right. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, oh, that's flaccid. really, that's really yeah. about all the news we got. <laughs> Sam, Sam, he's just jealous of your hotness. It's okay. You need to yeah, just understand Yeah, but if I'm flaccid, that. if I'm flaccid, my hotness isn't worth a damn, lady. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would tend to agree. It's true. Yeah, I just want to put that out there. Now that my secret's out, we can continue with the show. Right. Hey, that's a new drinking game thing right there. BJ Brains just came up with it. Every time I adjust my shirt, you can drink. You adjust your shirt a lot, I will say that. I know, I do it all the time. Yeah. It's kind of a nervous habit. Oh, and you're drinking, well, you're playing of, the game. I am, right. I am actually, yeah, because I've got my Slurpee in hand. So. Oh, it's, it's let's be good. fair. We all know that's not a normal Slurpee. It's not no, a normal it's not Slurpee, normal. but you know, who cares? <laughs> Who cares? All right, I do have I do have this uh, little bit of greatness. This is the Holonet News Network, your first source for Imperial propaganda. I'm Luke Lowbrow. The Imperial Ministry of Education has issued a public response to the recent criticisms in the Galactic Senate that the Emperor's New Order policies are only designed to benefit humans. The ministry has identified numerous government-supported job training programs that target thousands of wretched alien lowlifes. One program in particular, designed to provide technical training to the Jawas on Tatooine, will run the following holographic advertisement in the top six Tatooine media markets. 
Are you a Jawa that wastes your day away sitting on the streets of Mos Eisley? Are you a Jawa that's been shooed away from admiring a nice landspeeder by some feminine golden droid with a British accent? Are you the Jawa that never gets to fire the ion pistol? Has your sandcrawler been attacked by Tusken Raiders who didn't even bother to ride their Bantha single file to hide their numbers? Do you know of any Jawas that have had to suffer the indignity of being deprived of proper Jawa burial, and instead, their remains were used to stoke a campfire lit by some feminine golden droid with a British accent? We're here to tell you that a better life awaits. You could begin to prepare for an exciting career in the IT industry at the School of Jawa Advanced Mechanical and Information Systems, or Jammies for short. At Jammies, you could launch your career by earning your associate's degree in computer science, droid programming and repair, repulsor lift engineering, sandcrawler mechanics, moisture farming, culinary arts, and advanced scrounging and recycling. You can also earn a bachelor's degree in business administration. At Jammies, we're not here to just train you in the fast-paced world of technology. But we have programs to improve the Jawa life skills, such as seminars on the importance of bathing and avoiding the temptation to swindle your customers. We'll teach you that the way you vigorously rub your grubby paws on everything really creeps everybody out. That kind of behavior can hurt you in a job interview, especially if you grab the interviewer's pen and data pad, and then he has to call security to get it back from you. Just listen to the testimonials of one of our successful students. All prospective students that call Jammies today will receive a complimentary bucket full of scrap metal and junk parts. Remember at Jammies, you can learn the skills that you need to compete for the best technology jobs in this galactic economy. This has been a Holonet News Network update. I'm Luke Lowbrow. Stay tuned for the network's new reality show, The Wookiee Bachelorette and Her Seven Ugnaught Suitors. Thank you, <clears throat> Luke, again. Culinary arts? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're getting Jawas ready for just anything. That's why it's, you know, Jammies, the Institute. Oh, dear. Do they get to wear jammies? I don't know. Class? No, they get to wear Snuggies. Ooh, even better. They get to wear Snuggies while they're packing their pipe, preparing for their hole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now we're back on the air, folks. <laughs> God. Yes, indeed. Love it. Okay. Thank you. That was awesome, Luke. Thank you. Yes, again. All right. So a post, did you get a postcard this week? You know? Actually, I, <clears throat> I did. I got a rather nice postcard in this week from our, our good friend and show correspondent, Commander Cody. Uh, with a picture of a, a gorgeous world covered mostly in blue ocean with clumps of island chains dotting the surface. And, and the words on the card read, The Bothan people welcome you to the colony of Kothlis. Enjoy our fair weather and let us know if there's anything we can get you. How many died to bring you this postcard? From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, hi guys. 
In an unexpected turn of events this week, our squad was called into active battle duty with a group of several battalions. We've been sent to the planet Kothis. This colony in the Bothan sector is a pleasant world, rich in oxygen. Our helmets filtration units have to work hard to keep our breathable atmosphere scaled down, just so the oxygen rush doesn't go to our heads. Though the plant life here, mixed with all the oxygen, gives the air the scent of moldy cheese, even our filter can't mask. Though mostly ocean, the few land masses here are clumped with tolls, land, and soggy marsh so shallow, our ground vehicles can maneuver just fine. We're on an emergency mission, lads. Supposedly, the rebel scum have received help from the Bothans here, and have stolen some highly valuable Imperial data, though I'm not sure what. The Imperial cruiser, the Avenger, managed to intercept this data as it was leaving orbit, but the Avenger was soon downed by a squadron of rebel pilots. There must have been hundreds of them down the ship like the Avenger. We crash-landed, though our brave commander managed to send several battalions to the surface. My unit was among them. We're on our way to the wreckage right now, to secure the stolen data. Many Bothans died retrieving it, and these rebel scum wanted pretty bad. We've got to get there first. As we travel, I pause to admire this world. Cortless is very beautiful, with three moons and a nearby asteroid built visible in the daytime sky. I tell you, chips, it does chafe me that we'll probably raise this world to teach the Bothans what for. Oh well. The bounty hunters the Empire keeps hiring to give us backup don't help any either. Collateral damage seems to be their favorite term. Ugh, I know that Imperial Command knows what they're doing, but sometimes, I wonder. Listen boys, I'll best sign off. We're nearing the wreckage and I've got a job to do. If you're in the Bolton sector, and if there's anything left, be sure to stop on Cothless. The sights will take your breath away, and the atmosphere, <laughs> will bring it right back. Later guys! Your friend, Commander Cody. Indeed, thank you, Commander. Thank you very much for that beautiful You, you know, did, did you notice? Um, I, I noticed something. No. What, what did you notice, Sam? He didn't say long live the Empire at the end. Is he losing his faith in his job? I don't know. That's kind of... Worrisome. Oh, that's true. Yep, 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 yep. That's true. I don't know what's, what's going on about? there. <clears throat> I really don't know what's going on. Hmm. I really didn't know what was going on. Was that what you're gonna? Is that what you noticed? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was what I noticed, man. I, I was a little, little concerned by that, actually. I didn't really care because I don't like him anyway. But if he's if he's oh, developing yeah. rebel sympathies, then he's he's now. I'm gonna start sending him stuff. Oh, I seriously doubt such a loyal servant of the Empire would be building rebel sympathies. Obviously, uh, hey, a guy know. can uh, consorting with oh, terrorists. Sh- sh- guys, no, that, 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 no, 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 not on the air, guys. Come on. All right. Yeah. Fine. Seriously, that's not. It's just. We're very loyal network here, okay? All right. right. Damn Skippy. Okay. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Indeed, this episode of the, uh, or this, uh, this uh, installment of the D20 Docking Bay is brought to you by no one. No one? No one in particular. No one sponsored the D20 Docking Bay this week. Uh, I met in particular once, and he was a pretty plain dude. Not, not very 
amazing. But yeah, okay. That's true. I You've met him too? Yeah, I have. In particular? Yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, I know. And and the funny thing is, I met him. He was on the street corner selling round tuits. Ah. So I got a round tuit. I got to get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I got a round tuit no with no one in particular. How about that? Does your wife know about this? Uh, yeah, she does, actually, because she was... Um, well, never mind. That's a story for another day. Ah. Uh. show. Posho, that's right, Posho. Oh yeah, speaking of Posho, I have a big announcement. For the we'll get there. Yeah, maybe. What's the announcement, dude? What's the What's the announcement, though? Well, it actually does have to do with show, and uh, I, you know, Chris. Why don't you put it in the show? Well, I could. I could just end the show now. It's like the Posho now. Yeah, but then you know, I'd have to do this though. Accessing. And I really don't want to do that. I'd rather just go ahead and go with our docking bay intro instead of having to go back to the news. Yeah. Where it should have been, you know, now that I've completely yeah. screwed up the, you know, flow, the of rhythm of the flow. show, the, rhythm, yeah, the yeah. rhythm of the show is off now. The, it is. And, and that's, that's all my fault, but I'll, okay. I'll go ahead and tell you if you promise to keep a secret, dude, I totally keep secrets all the time. Just us here. Just yeah. us. All right. Yeah. So, uh, the, the rumor of us quitting after episode 100 is false. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let me hold on. I'm drink. I have to take a drink here. And hold on. <laughs> what, dude? What? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. The the rumor of us quitting after episode 100 is false. Right. It's episode 99, right? No, it's not. Yeah. We will persist after episode 100. However, we will be making a change. Ever so slight. A what slight. Yes. Someone well, will be we'll- leaving the show at 100, but we are not yet to. Yeah, we're not gonna like make the big announcement of how that's gonna happen and who. Yeah, are one it, of the it, characters gonna die? Like GM Dave or GM Chris are gonna get killed? Well, no, we're no. not really at liberty to discuss everything yet, but it, it it more will come as 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 the weeks come out in our certain you know contracts and uh, and uh, contract ag- agreements with people on. are come to an end or expire, and we can we can talk about it more and yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a very loosely guarded secret. Some of you will already know what's happening, but yeah. So yes, we there was a thread started about this whole thing about you know are they really leaving an episode? No, the show will continue. I'll just you know just a little bit of a change. So y'all can I ask you guys a question? Why was there ever any question about hundred episodes? Because when I heard that way back when, the thought that I had in my head was kind of like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, and then I thought about it more, and I was like, no, that's stupid. And go ahead, ex- explain. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, what, what was the thought again? The thought I was, was like, that it was stupid. I was thinking so, about it, know, and I was okay. like, that's really stupid. Well, yeah, that's, it, yeah. yeah. It, it was dumb. Yeah. It was a stupid thought, as a matter of fact. I agree with you. That's, that's why well, we're not stuffing the no, show. No, but, but I'd like to say that it's because the show is of such high quality, and I, I was really disappointed to hear that it would quit. I mean, you know, the weeks go fast on the D20 radio network. Yeah, I know. You ain't lying. The weeks do go fast. Yeah, yeah. It's a good show. It's a good show. I've w- I've listened from episode one. That's that's true. That's true. It, it, you know, your your praise is is much uh, appreciated. But you know, there there will be a change coming, and, and we'll you know of course come to that as we, we get to as it. we so move you listen to episode one, Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't make me comment. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't feel. I should. 
it hurts to think back that far. Oddly it's enough, his thought was like, this is so stupid. Just like stupid. it was the last one. Yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, stupid. Yeah. Almost as stupid as the phone calls from the dark side. Almost. I remember phone calls from the dark side. Yep. Yeah, it was a misguided attempt at humor. Okay, so... <laughs> it's all right, you guys. Straighten it out. You straightened it out. We did. Fane yes. Maka has a question about the effects of a cool talent. Okay. All right, so he just got the uh, Rebellion Era campaign guide, or the RECG, as we call it in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> and on page 41, there's a talent called Recruit Enemy. Seems pretty straightforward. In this talent, it mentions it cannot be used on creatures that cannot be bribed, blackmailed, or seduced. Okay, so nobody ever said you. No, wait, was huh? Hold on, wasn't recruit recruit enemy? That was yeah. TG, isn't that the talent you used to get Chris to be your husband? How did that work? <laughs> well, it didn't well, work on creature that I'm could not, be seduced. I'm not at liberty to divulge that. While Honestly, he's it was bribes, blackmail, and seduction. And it well, was and. and and much talent use. Yes, not not in that yeah. order either, and not in okay. necessarily equal proportions. Ooh, proportions. So. Wow. <laughs> no comment. Whoa. Hello. How you like that big word, boys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> back to Fane Maka's question. <laughs> okay, so this is the first time that he spotted the phrase... And is it an actual ruling? Is there a table or paragraph to explain what comes under this definition or not? Or is it up to GM discretion uh, about whether an NPC can be converted or recruited? And, that's, a, that's, uh, a, that's a good question. And I believe Feinmacher's original uh, inquiry was in regards to the actual text says, you know, they cannot be bribed or blackmailed, such as stormtroopers. And he was like, you know, whoa, whoa, who, who says stormtroopers can't be bribed or blackmailed or seduced, any of that? Um, well, first of all, it actually says so, it in the core rulebook, dude. It, 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 it is actually there, um, but we'll we'll get there. For, first of all, the big props to the recruit enemy talent. It's a great talent. Page forty one of the RECG, as we say in the industry, apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, as part of the new Rebel Recruiter talent tree for the Officer Prestige class. And basically, once an encounter, if you deal enough damage to kill a foe, you can instead of killing them make a persuasion check against their will defense. If you succeed, instead of killing them, you simply deal one half damage and you move them one step down the condition track. And in addition, the foe becomes your ally for the remainder of the encounter. Uh, it's a mind-affecting effect that doesn't work on enemies that, quote-unquote, cannot be bribed, blackmailed, or seduced, such as stormtroopers. Great. Well, Fane Maka, as, well, as Dave so wisely said on page 278 of the core rulebook, check the second paragraph under the stormtrooper entry. It says very plainly that stormies cannot be bribed, blackmailed, or seduced, mostly due to their training. And there's a similar entry for the clone trooper on page 281. And... Like, Sam, Chuck, I mean, for guys who've been playing since the WAG days, I mean, this this is a kind of a bit of canon that was established way back then. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, my whole thing with this is the mechanic of this, where you're actually dealing enough damage to kill someone, and then you're going to seduce them. <laughs> <laughs> you're being on your side. I, I have to admit. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... I was taken aback by that one. I was, I so, was kind of so going down the same lines, but... You, you shoot them and then you go and you kiss them. Is that what happens, or is right, it just like, you, you? Or is it instant BFF? You're like I've always found blood and, and bruising attractive. How do you how I, do you I find you attractive? <laughs> and then they and right and then cue music, you know and uh, brown chickens. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yep. It sounds more anime than uh, Star Wars. 
boom. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, can you can you make them? Is it a thing? Do you role play it where the guy who's getting shot goes, "Dude, if you don't kill me, I'll be your best friend," and then you become best friends, and that, that's how it works. Well, yeah, it's it's like it's persuasion. Yeah, it's for it's persuasion check versus will. It's like, look, I I don't want to kill you. Do you really want me to kill you? you? I mean, you know, you appeal to their better senses. You know, I don't want to kill you. Please, you know, join us, join us, and at that point, yeah. you know, okay, I'll join you, and um. Yeah, and yeah. so you only do half damage, and you've got a guy fighting for you that only has like seven hit points left. Great. Right, you're going to get him killed anyway. <laughs> and then he dies. But at right. least it won't be your hand that delivered the blow. Now, here's the question, though. When he dies, is it like losing a really good friend? I mean, you know, it, like after he gets shot immediately <laughs> afterward, he's been recruited. Then you go to him and you grab him like in that movie Crawl, and he's like, it was worth the journey. <laughs> <laughs> My friend. I, do, I, I think it's like first night. Like, just for no reason at all, all of a sudden, he's the most trusted man in your party. Do you guys remember that movie, First Night, that, like, Richard Gere's running around like a, like a dickhead, and he's doing all this terrible stuff, he sleeps with, the, with Sean Connery's woman, and then in the end, Sean Connery's dying, and he's like, You're so kick-ass that I'm gonna give you the kingdom. <laughs> I always wished I could be you. Or, you know, it was just, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. dude, Richard Gere, Sean Connery, it, well, Sean Connery, okay, but Richard Gere in the Arthurian legend movie is kind of a, it's kind of a, a problem. That's that's a, that's a problem, right there for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we lost chat, guys. What's up with that? It's back. It's back. Everything. It's back. Has, everything back. has unfolded as I have foreseen it. I was ready. Excellent. Excellent. Very nice. But I mean, I hope I hope that answers your question, uh, Feinmaka, in regards to the actual stormtroopers themselves. You know they. You know them and clone troopers, and and really, again, it is kind of up to GM discretion. You know, but I think I I mean, as a GM myself, I would encourage other GMs to be liberal with this. This is a pretty high level talent. You need to be, you know, obviously it's prestige class level, and at that point, you're doing some pretty kick butt stuff anyway. Kick and considering butt. considering the negative, considering yeah, you, great, you've recruited recruited this guy, and it's like you know we're joking, but they're right. You know, guy, what he's got seven hit points now. He's <laughs> you know he's he's down the condition track. <laughs> is it is it you know? It, I mean, it, it's not like you're all of a sudden gaining this uber weapon to help your party out i th- I, I would encourage a gm to be <laughs> yes all right next question gmgo it kind of sounds funny gmgo has a question about the miracle luca oh yeah okay so while their force sense lets them get around without stumbling or bumbling is it sensitive enough to allow a member of that race to read what is on a data pad or computer screen I know there was one in the Tales of the Jedi series, but I don't recall if she was ever piloting in that series. Thank you for the help. But of course, sir. Um, well, the Mira Luca are statted out in a couple of places, but most notably in the KOTOR campaign guide, page 16. Um, the Mira Luca are near humans, and it's a big deal. They don't have any eyes. It's just like blank skin. They're without eyes. And the fluff, Ugh. yeah, the, the the fluff is that they evolved on a planet with like harmful solar radiation. So they they evolved to get rid of their eyes, and they use the force to see with. And they have this foresight ability. And it, it's pretty clear. And and this is quote: this trait enables them to make perception checks and to read and write as a sighted person. That is pretty clear answer to your question. Right. Um, I've got. I've actually gotten in some arguments in the past with some fanboys uh, over whether the Luca can see and can like can even whether they can see color and and, and you know texture and crap like that. And frankly, uh, who who cares? 
I'll 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 leave you with this. Okay, the. It doesn't limit them in the rules. The ability, the foresight, it doesn't limit them to that action. It doesn't limit them in any way in the rules. So don't add limitations, Geo, that aren't called out. The clear intent of the species ability is to give them the functioning sight of a normal person without eyes. And functioning sight is functioning sight. So I don't know. That, that's, don't that's, ever so just let one of, Yeah, but don't let them paint your portrait. They're not going to get it right. right. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. Boom. But yeah, I mean, I don't so. know. What do you What are you guys' thoughts? I mean, I mean, they they don't they don't call out any limitations. I don't see a need to limit your player in this sense, unless maybe you think I don't know. The mirror look are pretty powerful. But no, that's it. That's fine. It's, read and write as a sighted person. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, what are you complaining about, Blindy? You know, <laughs> it's like you can read and write, and you can walk around without one of those canes. Shut up. Yeah, jerk. So there. Yeah, dick. <laughs> dick. <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, that's stupid. And, you know? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Episode 79. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. Stop complaining, or I'll stab your eyes out. Oh, wait. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I'll put you in a headlock, and I'll stab you with a fork. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I'd fork that that's guy. That's already happened. That what? forker. That forker. Yeah. Oh. Okay, and yeah. Okay, question in Echo Base. By the way, hello to the 119 of you in Echo Base. Um, they were like, well, dude, this was already answered on the forum. Okay, there's like 700 people that troll our forums, or at least that are registered on our forums. There are a couple of thousand that listen to the podcast or, or more. <laughs> so, you know, we answer these things, you know. Yes. On the this, show. This is, for this all is the, the point. You guys that, ask the questions on the forums. Yeah, we, that's right. So. So, you know, only a couple hundred people will ever see this on the forum. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, all these other things, yeah. Now, I, I want to ask TG, you're playing in the KOTOR game with Brev right now, and Kat's character is a Miraluka. And I know yeah. we give her hell about her lack of <laughs> eye sockets. Um, oh, that's, so you get racial on her is what you're saying. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. Terribly, no, terribly, terribly racial. I mean, have you found her abilities overly powerful? Do you think she should be limited in any way in any of yeah. our experiences? No, I really don't. She's she's just like the rest of us. She should be given equal rights like everybody else. Yeah, but do you want someone like her dating your son? You know? Well, no. See, that's different. That's different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she can still have the same rights, but my... Dirty Mira Luca. My son, yeah. Okay. The yeah. best part... She the thing is, is then they'll have grandkids, and then the chance that my grandchild will be born without... One eye? One eye? Come on. <laughs> one yeah, eye. One eye? That'll Cyclops. Terrible. <laughs> Speaking of crawl, yeah. You know, what, what's hilarious is that, is that Kat's Mira Luca is a sniper. I thought that was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a nice twist. <laughs> I, I, thought was, I thought that was right. pretty good. Okay, so they. Oh, wait a second. A sniper. Yes. If you can see as a sighted person, can you actually, in, uh, through the force, can you focus it well enough to use a scope on a weapon? <laughs> yeah, do you use the. Do you channel your force through the scope? That, that's what I'm saying. Can you see? It's, I mean, the, the ability says see as a sighted person. So this is where I'm because I, I, I shit you not. I have been in arguments with people at the table. No, you can't use a scope because you don't have eyes. <laughs> the light can't. You know, I'm like, dude, what the? I mean, I, seriously? I think you, should, you should have to like cut your wrist open and bleed so that there's midi chlorians in the scope. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah that's, you gotta do that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it. That's perfect. Yeah, and, and right, X-Wings make sound in space. So great, <laughs> That's right. great, great answer. All right, moving on. I can, I can hear them through the force. 
<laughs> Venthrak. Ben Burt. Burt? Or Ernie. Hey. Okay. Hey, Burt. Hey. What's our next question? Venthrak yeah, has a question please. that has uh, stumped more than a couple of uh, Gamer Nation folk. And so he asks, when do you count diagonal squares as two squares and when do you not? That's uh, why everybody should use hexes, in my opinion. According to the core rulebook on page 158, the rules for di diagonal movement state this. Moving diagonally costs double. All right, that's it. Dude, you just answered your own question. <laughs> Dude! When moving or counting along a diagonal path, each diagonal counts as two squares. Unquote. I get the moving part, but what constitutes counting along a diagonal path? <sighs> well, no, uh, he, 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 uh, he has a reason here. Okay, there have been some confusing rulings. Con continue oh, okay, with this question. All right. Do diagonal squares count double when you're measuring range? Do they count double for the purpose of, of oh. determining how many squares away from you an ally is? So that talent which he requires to be three squares of an ally, would not work if that ally was two squares away diagonally, if four squares away in total, you know, i.e. four squares away in total. Do diagonal squares count double in starship scale as well as in character scale? Well, I would be grateful if someone could explain to me exactly when you're supposed to count diagonal squares as double and when you're not. All right, so yeah, people fight over this all the time. Personally, that's why you should use a hex. <laughs> okay, the short answer to your question, Venthrak, is all the time. They count double all the time. Except for a couple times, which we'll talk about. <laughs> okay. The, the, listen. Really? Listen. No, but I'm serious, okay? And full, full on gamer, you're listening. Simmer down now. Simmer down. Simmer down. This, this has become a worm's nest, if, if that's a proper term. Worm? <laughs> no, yeah, no, a worm's nest. Worm, yes, Go thank on. you. Um, uh, it, it, on the inner tubes have been flooded with hate about this. L okay, let, let's do this. Let's talk about the raw, the rules as written, then we'll talk about some other solutions people are using if you don't like that. Okay, first of all, the text on page 158 of the core rulebook, pretty damn self-explanatory. You count diagonals as two squares all the time. Movement, range, distance, all of it. That's what counting along the diagonal path means. Okay, in character scale, in starship scale, whenever, all right, there are two exceptions to this. One attacking an adjacent character that is in a square diagonal to you. If I'm adjacent to you and I'm in a diagonal square, you know, in a diagonal square, I'm actually two squares away from you. Does that mean I can't hit you with my vibro axe? No. Uh, you can always make a melee attack into any square you threaten, and you threaten all adjacent squares, even those pesky diagonals. Right. So, the second time it doesn't make sense, and this really, this really is just doesn't make sense at all, is cones. Like, you know, Force Slam deals a six-square cone. For some terribly lamentable reason, probably ease of use, when they were creating this game, the developers decreed that a six-square cone in Saga is equivalent to the six-square cone template set forth in the third edition D&D &D guide, which that system counted diagonals as one and a half squares instead of two. So, yeah. This ultimately, dude, this means some kind of crazy stuff, such as the fact that you can't withdraw diagonally, which is kind of crazy. A lot of people don't like it. And Rodney did clarify this himself previously on our show. That cannot be done. This is why the sidestep talent was created. Now, this is raw. Is this the way you must run it in your game? Absolutely not. Okay? D20 Radio's own Donovan Morningfire, moderator, and now a developer. He uses one square diagonals in his home games. Even Rodney Thompson said on our show a little while back, they've, had, they, had they had it to do over again, knowing what they know now, they probably would have done the same thing. One square is one square. 
Many of us do it this way, and it's not game-breaking at all, okay? And there's been a lot of spitting and firing over this topic, and I've got to say that saying the devs are wrong is kind of silly because only the devs know their intent, stating your opinion and that it should have been different. That's entirely valid. Furthermore, every time, though, we've spoken with any of the different developers, any of the brilliant developers that worked on this fine system, the overarching thing they always say every single time is this. Use what works in your games. Change what you need to. The Watsy Fun Police aren't going to break into your damn house with ninjas <laughs> and firebombs and toss, you know, if, if you toss some raw out the window. So I Wouldn't am, that be cool if they did? It would be. Yeah, yeah, says you. It would be awesome. Maybe they will. That would be like Maybe Minority they Report. Listen, they just honestly, come right Honestly, I encourage scene. you... Venthrak to try both and see what works for you. I believe that is in the intent of the very spirit of the rules to begin with. So okay. there's my soapbox. Now, yeah. what, right. what do y'all think? I'm going to light the soapbox on fire and say, use hexes. Wow, man. Yeah, the, the fun police are coming for you, my friend. They are. That's only because a red ball just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Red ball? What is that? That's all right. Minority report. Oh. Once again, an obscure reference from GM Dave. It's all right. Yeah, by the way, GM Dave, I, I was totally hip on the Jurassic Park reference earlier, and I was surprised that no one else said anything. Disappointed, I know, dude. dude. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, too. Like The whole chaos theory thing. Jeff Gold. Yeah, no, I was very well done. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. But, you know, hey, that's all right, man. The water obviously rolled down the wrong side of the hand. Yeah, oh. the, it's going to go in on the same knuckle. No, no, uh, uh, chaos theory. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Chaos. All right. Yeah, cat. Life will find a way. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead now. But since none of you got yeah, it, yeah, now I hate now. all of you. Oh, and by the way, I want to point out that f bombs, Chris, two, everyone else combined, zero. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I am like a pirate, but tonight I am like an officer and a gentleman. I know. So <laughs> I don't even get what I said, but the bottom line is, Chris. I, I don't. I don't like your language. I think you need to tone it down. Tough shit. All right. No. Zing. All right. We have a phone-in question, and here it is from Zertz. Hey guys, oh. this is Zertz. Sort of got a Zertz. also kind of game design question. Now I'm starting a Kotor game, and with the Kotor era, you know, there's all kinds of stuff running around, and I have a Jedi PC. Now the thing I want to encourage is I want to encourage some one-on-one -on -one lightsaber battles, but I don't know how to do that. And if I do encourage that, what do I do with the rest of the party? How can I give them something to do that's equally meaningful and cool? Sex in advance, guys. Yeah, Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Thunderdome. There you are. Did he say sex in advance? <laughs> sex. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> <laughs> The funny, wow. the funny thing is that I heard. Yeah, that's what we did before we got married. But that's I don't I think heard, that's what he did. I heard exactly the same thing. TMI. I heard exactly the same thing when you said that. Oh dear. Hey, so yeah, you're like, see how now do I we're get them into we're a, building up. Combat. Okay, sex in now everyone <laughs> now everyone knows how to get your question on the air. Sex now, in advance. <laughs> see, here we go. We're building the title. We're building the title as we go. Packing the pipe in advance for the hole. <laughs> We are, number 79. we are building the pyre in which we will all burn later. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's true. It's, it's very a true. true story. Wow. But he's, he's got a good question, and I really like this kind of question because I, I think there's a way to do it. And ironically, Sam, I, yes. think, you hit, I hit, think you hit the nail on the head in your reference to the best oh. Mad Max movie, Thunderdome. Um, seriously, okay, so he's, he's point. Listen, this is a noble goal. First of all, 
single lightsaber duels are really iconic, but it's hard to integrate them into your game without alienating the rest of the party. You just kind of sit there with their thumbs up their asses, you know, wondering what what the cool Jedi duels the awesome evil Sith dude. Dave, your character in one of my games got to experience the same scenario with a one-on-one duel, and we managed to turn that into an entire party I know. Encounter. Yeah, yeah, and that one absolutely sucked, and I would have done it differently, and I'll tell you how. <laughs> Enlighten me. What I would have done is, like, had threats all scattered around the map to get people, like, engaged in the battle instead of just watching from the stands like you did. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, that's what we did. Never mind. Yes, that is what you did. We did, like, a gladiatorial <laughs> arena kind of thing. It was really kind of cool, actually. But then you had, like, people you know, taking we- pot shots from windows and... Uh, you know, yeah. s- people sneaking around trying to disable said cheaters. And it was actually kind of fun. You know, yeah. we, we did something a few years back where uh, the Jedi, um, there was this there was this place where this guy worked and it was a secret base and whatever. And then when they went to raid it later, uh, there was this door that there was always, they couldn't go in. And so when the Jedi came in, he was finally there for the first time. He sensed something very strange from behind that door. So he went into the door while the rest of the party went on the attack in the base because they needed to they needed to really have a lot of guns to take this position. And so I cut between the Jedi. The Jedi discovered a Sith behind that door somewhere in this cavern and the cut between the battle between the rest of the players and the Jedi Sith. So it was sort of one of those Star Wars things, you know what I'm saying, with cutting between two, you know, sex in advance, guys, sex in advance. <laughs> Noted. All well, right. I, I think there's a couple ways. Now, the, the scenario Dave alluded to earlier, we had a situation where the, the PCs had landed on this strange world and uh, they came across this primitive culture. And in order to get, sort of go through their land, the, the chieftain said they were going to have to pass some sort of manly test of combat, a one-on-one single combat. And so the tribal champion came out and challenged Dave's character, who's a Wookiee, to this one-on-one duel in this gladiatorial pit. And so the rest of the party, I'll admit, there were five of them literally just sitting around. They were just kind of staring at me like, oh, great, we get to watch while Dave's character does all this. And as the fight progressed, about a round in, I start having them make perception checks. Like, okay, wow, you, you noticed something. And what they soon discovered was that people that were in opposition to the PCs, sort of in, internal dissidents within the tribe, were setting themselves up in these high-level positions to sort of help their guy win by sniping at Dave's character. And so then, at that point, we had external threats the other party had to go and try and deal with without interrupting the sacredness of this gladiatorial combat, and that became very interesting. Yeah, it was um, cool. It was really neat. Brev, like, jumped out of a window with his character and died. <laughs> he jumped out of a window. He's like, he's like, ah, I'll use Surge, and uh, he failed to use the Force check. And then he's like, oh, I'll make my acrobatics check. And he rolled, like, a one, and he took, like, <laughs> 20 points of damage from falling, um, which I thought was, was absolutely... Hilarious. Heroic. Um, hilarious. It was heroic. It was very heroic, I will say. The other thing I can highly recommend, because that's kind of a, a one-off scenario. Honestly, if, in this time of KOTOR, and, and guys, I mean, put, pour your creative juices into this for a sec. If you've got this Sith Lord, all right, or this, this Sith, he's, he's arrogant. He's wanting to kill Jedi. If you are the only Jedi in a party and you come across this massive combat where you have, you have a, a whole bunch of threats, a whole bunch of Sith, you know, only one of them is perhaps a lightsaber-wielding Force user, I can totally see that guy with the red lightsaber pointing at the Jedi and going, you, you, I will taste your liver, you know, and stuff like that. And at that point, Ooh. you 
impugn his honor. And so I can see the Jedi literally turning to his party and say, go, with, go, go take care of the others. I'll handle this one. And, you know, taking that, that on his own. So you have them handling the other threats. Well, he sort of relieves his party so he can take on the Sith one-on-one. I, well, I that's know, essentially that, what happened in, in my example is that the, the Jedi had sensed that there was something going on behind this door. The yeah. others had been in there before, or had been by there before, but not allowed in. And so the Jedi's like, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to check this out. And exactly. uh, that's when the stuff happened. Yeah, well, but I mean, even, even, even in the same room, I mean, you can, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, even, even a massive combat. Uh, you know, but yeah, but then the question becomes, how do you keep the rest of the guys involved? You know, do you pass them Rubik's Cubes and while the Jedi uh, fights? Or, or are they, like, cheering them on? they insulting the Sith Lord? Are they playing Yahtzee? What's the deal, bro? Well, that's, that's a good possibility. I think there's two things. You can add other threats for, furthermore. So, obviously, those other threats, maybe the Sith's uh, associates, are not going to interrupt him as he challenges this Jedi to a lightsaber duel. And that will give the other party members someone else to fight. The other thing, too, is I think adding skillful ways for the party to help in that challenge is another great option. Maybe a deception check or a stealth check to surreptitiously throw something into the field of the bad guy and affect, you know, maybe, you know, in other words, aid, the aid another action on your your, think, your party member. Sam, I mean, to, you know, jumping ahead, I know we're going to talk more about this, but I mean, in the final battle we had mm-hmm. um, with the Sith, there were other obstacles that were joys, but an interesting thing was that the Jedi jumped in immediately to take on sort of a, a Sith threat, and within like the first round, they were, both the Jedi were like out of commission. Tossed. Tossed. Yeah, and, and so everybody <clears throat> had to jump in and, and get engaged. There, there wasn't this, like, standoffish, you know, Jedi battle of the Force powers. We had no choice. Cool. I mean, that... Anything about that? What do you mean? No, don't, no that was sarcastic, man. What, it was cool. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, no. That, that's a cool situation for your players to be no, in. Was. I'm, I'm Quite frankly. Well, that was the thing. It was sort of like, the Force users are down. What do we do now? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, well, and it wasn't that they were incapacitated. They were just tossed aside with great ease, and the rest of the players suddenly were like, oh, boy, we're in trouble. And uh, in, in that way, it, I, what I liked about it, and I didn't plan for it to go this way, but what I liked about it is that it was very atypical from what you'd expect. You expected the Jedi character to stand up to the Sith and have this big uh, epic fight, and then it turns out they all had to figure out a way to deal with this with this guy who was just rampaging through them all, which was, uh, you know, the Jedi is like their strongest fighter. To, so to see him get tossed aside like a rag doll, uh, put the fear of God into the rest of the players, which was really fun. Well, I mean, Chuck, mm-hmm. did you have the, was, was the fear of God put into you? What, what happened to you there? Um, yes. Yeah. God, fear uh, of God? The hell out of okay. that night. Yeah. God Honestly. is scary. Yeah. Yes, so, he is. <laughs> no, he's here. The voices. Ah, totally. All right. Okay. So, thank you very much for the question, by the way, Zertz. Yes. And if you guys have any other questions for us for future episodes you'd like to give to us, you can, of course, call it in like Zertz did. Where can they do it at, Dave? Oh, I don't know. Call it in. 1-800-SEX-IN-ADVANCE. <laughs> there you go. Sex in advance. 206-600-5872 or LUSA LUSA. Lisa, you guys can also email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, or of course, you can get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum, and you can post your mind, get your questions answered on the show, or by our fine community of wonderful gamers. So Beautiful. there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
All right, we're going to take a stop for uh, Alex Van D and Trevor C. Uh, fragments from the Rim, as they call it. Number 27. Can you believe these guys have sent in 27 of these already? Uh, they're doing a fantastic yeah. job. They're, I they're awesome. These guys are great. They are. They truly are. And I, I look forward to it every time I hear it. Indeed. All right, so we'll take a break for a few minutes, and we will come back to the show with the meat, the crunch, the adventures in gaming, or otherwise known as our player GM roundtable, post-haste. If this Welcome, works. Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 27 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about the Talent Repel Discord from the TIA, or TIA, Adept Talent Tree, which you'll find on page 87 of the Jedi Academy Training Manual. I'm continuing to talk about talents that could be chosen when you become a Jedi Master, or Force Disciple, or Sith Lord. Uh, do keep in mind, though, that you could only pick three talents that way. The, this Repel Discord talent, here's what it says. Whenever you're targeted by a Force Power with the Dark Side Descriptor, you can spend a Force Point as a reaction to give the creature using that Force Power against you a penalty on its Use the Force check to activate the power equal to its Dark Side score. I can see that being very powerful. You're up against the big, bad Sith Lord. He reaches out to you with his Force Lightning, and he gets a negative 14, negative 16, maybe even a negative 18 to his dice roll. That's a lot. Now, the weak side is, though, it has to have a dark side descriptor for the Force Power, so if he's just using plain old move object on you, it's not going to work. And you do have to spend a Force Point. Nonetheless... If you're going into a campaign and you're running up into a lot of dark side force users, this is a really nice talent. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to talk about Motion of the Future, the new sense talent from page 17 of the Jedi Academy training manual. As a swift action, you can peer into the future in search of signs of danger, removing any one use of the far-seeing force power from your active suite. Any time before the end of your next turn, when you are the target of an attack or force power, you can force your attacker to re-roll the attack roll, keeping the second result. This counts as using the far-seeing force power against the attacker, but this talent replaces the normal rolls and effect of that power. This is really, really neat in the fact that it's looking into that moment in the future and trying to avoid what's coming. Now, what I find originally interesting about this was the fact that it said that you kept the second result, not the lower result. And I was at first thinking that that was a bad idea because what if they roll a 20? What if their second result is actually stronger than their first result? But Alex pointed out to me the idea that you don't have to do anything. You spend a swift action, and at any time, this can take place. So there, it's a very passive, you know, you're not spending a force point. You're not making a use the force check. There's nothing you need to beat. You just do this. So it's worth the risk of accidentally getting a critical because he's already hit you. He's just going to hit you harder because you're only going to force him to re-roll in a chance that he doesn't hit you. So at first I thought it was not as balancing as it could be. I think it's great now. The only suggestion I might make is that maybe a 20 as the secondary roll doesn't automatically become a critical. But that's just me. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming.
Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Thank you very much, Alex and Trevor. I appreciate it, buddy. Nice work, gentlemen. Sex in advance. Sex in advance. <laughs> Sex in advance. Ah, Episode yes. 79. Sex, Sex in, advance. in advance. Yeah. God. Love it. All right. Well, we move into the crunchy, or I guess I should say juicy, part of this particular show, um, which uh, I think I think Dave and I had, had, had initially talked about calling it Adventures in Gaming. But... Uh, I, I, honestly, it really doesn't matter. We are fortunate uh, to be joined this week by none other than two fine gamers, uh, D20 Radio's own Sam Whitwer, um, and his good friend and fellow gamer Chuck Erstis. And uh, the yes, focus... Sam Whitwer's own. Who is Sam Whitwer's own? Well, and, well yes. uh, Chuck, you are now D20 Radio's own. Hell yeah. yeah. Thank you, Gus. That's right. Yeah. You got you to go through one podcast to get that thing, though. That's so right. you know, you're, you'll be there after this. It'll be it'll be brilliant. You can put it on your business cards. You're D20 Radio's own in advance. It, yeah. <laughs> <sex> in. <laughs> That's how I got on here. Indeed. Boom. Boom. The focus for this week's episode is going to be something we've talked about for doing it for a little while, sort of a, a player GM roundtable, um, talking about good and bad times in gaming, sharing stories of success and tips and hints we've discovered. Um, we you know, kind of Sam and Chuck sharing a lot of their experience from the games they run and, and us just really talking about our games, which I'm sure you all are very anxious to hear for the next hour or two. Yeah, maybe not nice. that. Nice. Oh, but yeah, dude. So I'm, 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 I'm totally stoked. I mean, let's let's kick this. First of all, um, we're we're assuming people know who you guys are, but it's entirely possible we're we're getting new listeners every day. So I'd like to take the opportunity, S- Sam and, and Chuck. Would you guys just please introduce yourselves with a brief, uh, you know, by you know, like you know, age, sex, location, you know, turn ons, turn offs, uh, favorite color, you know, and, and who you are and what you do. And your yeah. favorite. Go for it, Chuck. Your favorite. Childhood cartoon. Yeah, and that shoe size. Shoe size. It's very important to give what your shoe size is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've lost track. I don't know how much information I'm supposed to give. Uh, I'll go out first because I definitely don't want to follow Sam when it comes to this thing. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say some really lame stuff. Don't worry about it, but go for it. <laughs> shoe size, if you know what I mean. Okay. I am a, uh, I guess just going back, long time uh, RPG gamer. Um, got into it with my, you know, brother and his friends who were like eight years older than me, um, whatever. And I grew up, ran into Sam. Uh, I think I was a just like sophomore in high school. He was in junior high. Um, so we've known each Dude, other you for were, a while. You were a senior in high school. Um, no way. You were, yeah, you were a senior in high school. I was in eighth grade, dude. No way, dude. We're not that far apart. That's a, um, no, yeah, we are. We're four years apart, dude. There's, wow. That's madness. All right. Yeah. You can see how well we know each other. Obviously, we're best of friends. <laughs> best of friends. And where, and where, um, are, you, where are you from, Chuck? Uh, I am from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, Glenview as well, just like Sam. If you look on his IMDb page, I think it will tell you. <laughs> nice. But, uh, see? We're going to put a but, subset there for Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. I will be Sam Whitworth's own IMDb lackey. <laughs> um. But, it, but anyway, uh, you know, Sam and I had got together and did a bunch of music um, and had never really gamed, uh, at least for a while, dude. I, I don't think um, that was, like, Should high be. on the list. I, I want to I put this out there, though. Chuck co-wrote um, a few of the songs on uh, Colorful of the Stereo. 
Chuck king was my of the robots, player. the king of the robots. Yeah, that one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I came up with robots. Sam was like, I'm the king of... Of like, uh, what? Uh, there is uh, none. King of land? King of things? Yeah, we, we collaborated on that. That was that was difficult. Let me tell you, we had some <laughs> long hours. Um, but uh, yeah, so we did the music thing and eventually, I don't know how, we ended up doing some like amber uh, diceless stuff and I know that you know Sam had a long running Star Wars campaign but it was one of those things that like sort of never came up in some ways I think I kind of felt like it was like a sacred thing dude because you've been doing that for a long time yeah and uh, whatever so years later uh, we finally decided to get in on that so we've been doing some some pretty hardcore um, Star Wars stuff with the Saga Edition rules and, uh, By the way, for the for the record, we never wanted to exclude you. That was I, I actually always got the feeling that maybe you weren't interested, and in, in, you know, because we were. Just yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It was kind of like a weird thing. Like I, it, you know, you guys were so deep into it, um, and I think we'll we'll cover this later. Is sort of like the integration of new players um, into the group because that was definitely a, a challenge. But it was something where, you know, I really wasn't sure, you know, if I wanted to get in there because there was so much history with those guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Which is which is not unlike the game that it's the same guys who are doing the game now, same group of pe- people that we started playing in seventh grade with, and uh, and and Chuck had to get in on a game that had what six years of history, um, but it, it was very successful. We'll get into that later. Yeah. So I, I guess that's who I am. I guess you know that's that's about it. Nice. Sam, yeah, like why don't you tell people who sucks. you are? Yeah, you did yeah. forget your shoe size. Oh my god, I'm a I'm a nine and a half wide. Nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. Dude, nine million terrors in the world, and if you got killed, you'd have the feet smaller than my sister. Oh. But it's, it's the width that but matters. It's it's not the width, yes. it's wide. Yeah, it's all about the width. It, it is all about the width there, yeah. Let's be clear. Your sister can't give it the way that he can. No. No. <laughs> what? No, Yeah, pipe. yeah, didn't want to know that, but thanks. Pipe. Just saying. In advance. In advance. In advance. Advanced pipes and holes. So there we go. No. Yep. Yeah, now this guy named Sam, nobody's ever heard of, so you're going to have to, like, really... Oh, what was your favorite childhood cartoon there, Chuck? Was it the Smurfs? Uh, I'm going with Tom and Jerry. All right, dude. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. See? Another fan of Thunderdome. You Very cannot nice. go wrong with Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, so this guy named awesome. Sam is, uh, you know, we've had him on the show before, only because he begged. That's right. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Lucas said, like, you know, you really need to have this dude on the show. He's famous and everything, so he said, uh, man. You should really get this guy uh, on the show. He's uh, a great guy. Uh, yeah. It's always meant to be on the show. And we like bow. That, we like bow in his presence. Lucas, that's the best Lucas I've ever heard. Oh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, just want to tell you, uh, uh, fuck you guys, and uh, I'm going to get you off the air. Uh, <laughs> GM Dave sleeps with the fishes. Uh, <laughs> fuck you guys. Hey, I think that's that's makes Chris and Sam tied. They're now tied F- two to two. That's right. That's right. right. Okay, fine. If fine. you're scoring at home, Deal. the F bomb counter is. Or is it that George really Lucas Sam, and Chris tied? Yeah, no, George no. Lucas came on, swore a few times, and then took off. <laughs> threatened, threatened the GMs, and then left. That's right. <laughs> That would be the highlight of my month. Uh, 
Oops. <laughs> All right, Sam. Sam, t- 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 tell tell the gamer nation about yourself. Okay. Um. Uh. You know, I'm trying to think if there's uh, because I think we've done the whole tell them about yourself thing quite a bit more than they would like to hear. But I, I don't know if we ever talked about how I got into gaming. Did we? Maybe we did. Probably. You never did. told us your shoe size, lady. <laughs> my shoe size. <laughs> it's 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 not the size of the shoe. Uh-huh, but how you kick it, walk it. Uh-huh. It's how you kick it, how you kick it. It's not uh-huh. the size of the shoe, it's how you kick it, baby. Wow. Yeah. That's going yeah. on my to- that's going on my tombstone, dude. It's how you kick it, baby. Um, I'm actually um eleven and a half, but super narrow. I mean like you know, just so narrow. But they, they oh. seem to like it. It's weird. It's just you know, it's tight. just like really, really narrow. His shoes are like thrilled every time he puts his foot in. That's right. It's like I stab my feet into the shoes. <laughs> and the shoes give me this really annoyed look. It's, I don't know what that's about. Tongue, you, you do. You tease the tongue with your toes right before you put it in. I do. I do. Like run, run your toes over the tongue. I'll take, take, I'll do that for a good 10 minutes. <laughs> that's yeah. called uh, foreplay. Uh, what is it called? I'm not sure. Go ahead. What? Uh, what? Oh, just foreplay. Yeah, that's some whatever. Not important. Moving on, right? Something <laughs> right. about teasing. Let's tongues move on from the foreplay toes. part, guys. Not important. Okay. And get to the meat. Oh, that's, the women that listen to this show are going to play that whole section over and over and over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all love hearing a guy say in a very in a very like you know radio voice like. Lady, let's skip this foreplay nonsense and get to the meat. Right? <laughs> right. They all think of that. Oh, let's, yeah. wait, we're just wasting time here. Let's get to it. Um, and then two minutes, two minutes later, it's never happened before. <laughs> Their new shoes, they were too tight. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so I got involved in this stuff. Um, uh, a friend of mine just like I was over at his house when I, I must have been like ten years old or something like that or nine, and uh, he just they just next thing I knew I was playing D and D like I was a character. I had a mace. I had no idea what I had like eleven hit points. It was weird, and I I was so fascinated by the fact that I could say okay, well I I hit the ground with my mace, and the guy's like, "There's a dent in the ground." I'm like, "Whoa." Really? Are you serious? That's funny. holy shit. Really? Wow. I did that. Okay, cool. And then I, I kind of got hooked. Um, pretty much never to be a, a player again. I think it was just the laziness of all my friends, and I someone had to take over, or maybe I just was fanatical about it. And no one cared as much, and I forced them into it. I don't know. But we we had a long running Star Wars game for many many years. But in terms of uh, I'm other information, I'm Sam. Six one. I'm a little bit lonely. Um, ruggedly handsome. Ruggedly handsome. Ruggedly. That's right. According to twelve year old. Someone to talk to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I, I just kind of got captured by the whole phenomenon, and and uh, in fact, it's funny. I think that um, that was funny. That was almost walking us. In fact, it's funny. It's funny. Anyway, um, that. I, I feel me and my friends. We all have uh, pretty expensive. Uh, okay, maybe not expensive, but 
but better than average vocabularies. And I wonder how much D and D and reading all those books and stuff when we were young um, played into that. You know how much. I mean, uh, look, I can't tell you anything about multiplication tables or or like quadratic formula, but dude, a, a two-handed sword does one d ten, dude. <laughs> And I know other words, you know, that you could use to describe like zombies, shambling, zombies. They shamble. They do. You yeah. know, I wouldn't have learned that otherwise. You know, They're the word right. shamble, like a, a gibbering fury. Gibbering fury, gibberlings. They gibber. We all know that. Come on, move on, guys. Sex right. in advance. Um, so yeah, I, I got into this whole thing, and and me and Shock met. We uh, we played music together for for many years, and it just yeah, it just turned out that we had that that hobby in common and every now and then he would join in on a game um and i you know it's funny again i could never really quite get a beat on whether chuck really wanted to you know whether you wanted to to play with us or not and then it wasn't until years later that you got super involved that i realized oh he, he can do this and he can do it really well um so i don't know is that enough information what That's get off reasonable. my back favorite right. favorite cartoon show favorite cartoon you know tom and jerry's pretty great but since that was picked um you know, I watched a lot of Transformers, and then you go back, you buy the season, and it's just unwatchable. However, <laughs> however, let me, let me say this. I was working on Force Unleashed. This guy, Corey Burton, comes into the studio. And uh, you guys probably don't know who Corey Burton is, but he does uh, Count Dooku for the Clone Wars. So he was doing uh, Dooku while I was in the studio. And, and Dara O'Farrell, one of the directors at LucasArts, was like, hey, you should really watch Corey Burton work. So I'm watching this guy come in. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Corey Burton. How are you? And I'm like, okay, cool. And then next thing you know, he's, hello, I'm Count Dooku. And you're just, just completely different voice. You can't hear his voice in his Dooku at all. And so I started talking to him, like, wow, you know, and he was just nailing everything on the first take. And I'm like, you know, how long have you been doing this? What have you done? Like, so incredible. And the guy goes, you know, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of things. I did Transformers. I'm like, whoa, who did you play in Transformers? He's like, oh, I played a few guys. I'm like, like who? And then immediately he goes, I played Soundwave. And I'm like, whoa, 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 freaking Soundwave. <laughs> Holy shit. And then he's, I'm like, who else? He's like, I played Spike. And then in Transformers the movie, I played older Spike. And I'm like, oh my freaking God. And he was doing all these Transformers voices. It was really amazing. Little side note there, but you know, screw you guys. Yeah. Very and my nice. story was, I like Tom and Jerry. Ladies and gentlemen. This is what it's like to be Sam Whitmer's friend. That's right. Oh, Lots of talk. So you, trans- you say Transformers, the first thing that comes into my brain is, is sitting in a theater when I'm a kid watching Optimus Prime die for Transformers the movie, and I remember bawling, bawling yep. when Optimus Prime died. And even today, I, I lie in bed some nights and I, you got the touch! Yep. You got the power! power. <laughs> yeah! Yep. Or do you remember in the, in, you're watching Transformers the movie in the theater and, and Spike and Bumblebee are trying to get away from being sucked into the giant planet killer, and they, they use, they try to detonate the moon that it's consuming and then it detonates and they think they've blown it up and they're like yeah we did it and then they look and they're like oh no it isn't even dented and then spike goes oh shit what are we gonna do now and you're like as a kid you're like i guess i guess this is serious i mean spike just said shit (laughs) you know this is a movie for like nine-year-olds and spike is saying shit announcing that this is you know it's a serious shit, this, guys. It's a serious shit. Absolutely. I, I, I cry sometimes at night. TG has to hold me. It's very... Um... Oh, <laughs> Lord. It's true. It's very sad. And then Judd, I, I think but, he just you know, uses it as an excuse, though. Yeah, probably. 
does. I think that's probably true. But, you know, like, look, at the end of the day, Judd Nelson really stepped up to the plate in that. You know, Bender saved us all from Leonard Nimoy. Fair enough. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> God. All right. Well, thank you for those uh, very, very interesting introductions. Um, no problem. Well, guys, t- talk to us for a little bit, and I know I know we're gonna we're gonna jump in as we go. I, I kind of was hoping this discussion would be pretty freeform. Um, let's start by talking about you guys' core group, uh, because I mean, Sam, the first time you were with us, we spent a lot of time talking about um, your core group. I know the first time you were on uh, uh, Watsy's Star Wars podcast with Rodney Thompson, um, you spent a lot of time talking about that, and. Um, Again, you know, t- tell us about your core group, the campaign, and you guys have kept this alive for for years. Um, so, I mean, seriously, tell tell us about it. Well, there's uh, well, there's seven guys, right, Chuck? Chuck? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm counting. I need both my hands. It is. It is more than five. Yeah, I believe yeah. seven core uh, guys. There's uh, just to go right through now. them. To go through them really quick, there's Cervantes, who is an actor. That's what he is. He's an actor, and he just wants to get acting jobs. There's Gloss, who's the pilot uh, and kind of a sociopath. There's Merrix, who's the Jedi. There's Johnny Bax, who's a college dropout who has a gambling problem. There's Saul, who's Chuck, who's the uh, the techie of the group. There's Timo, who's like this blue-collar worker who keeps getting in trouble with, you know, galactic nonsense. And then there's Knox, who is the mercenary, just hardcore guns guy who's, uh, who's actually played by a cop. So he's played very, very well when it comes to his uh, firearms. very much by the book. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the core group. You have these seven guys. And then the thing I found interesting about these, these characters these guys came up with was, you know, there was a uh, – we, we started out – it must have been like six or seven years ago. And uh, – and we, it was this whole thing where I sat down. I'm like, you know, we get together once every year, guys. We see each other during Christmas, whatever. Um, let's just do a long-running game. Let's just keep track of stuff and just keep it going. And uh, what I was impressed with is everyone came up with these characters. No, you know, back in the day when you're when you're in seventh grade, you want to create the guy with the biggest gun and he can shoot anyone, and you know, he's totally badass. His name's Dark Skull. And he's awesome, and he's just like he's a skull. He has armor with a skull face, and he's awesome, you know. And as you get older, these guys created um, some very atypical uh, people, you know. The, my brother had no interest in combat; he was just an actor who could really—he was face from the A team. He could talk his way out of anything. And this guy Johnny Bax um, is—he's a college dropout. That's his character. He's a college dropout. He got kicked out of college because he had a gambling ring. You know, that's his character. And uh, Chuck's character is a techie. And, um, you know, there's very few combat-oriented characters in the group. Even the Jedi is atypical. He's, you know, a a Jedi dropout. So there was all this really interesting character stuff to begin with uh, to to sort of move off of. Lots of dropouts in the group. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, the group... um, (laughs) Much as in life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they started out... Really, we started out when we started six or seven years ago. Um, one of the things that I vowed when I was, you know, I was like, I have to improve as a as a game master. Um, one of the things that I thought of was, I, I'll bet, I'll bet things will go very, very well if I don't railroad them at all. 
And I, there are times where they try to do reprehensible stuff, and I sort of subtly and sometimes not so subtly discourage them from doing so. So I think it was seven or eight years ago, actually. And, like, and, and I just resolved not to do that. And so they started out during the Battle of Naboo, and when the Trade Federation droids started invading the city, one of the first things these guys did was <laughs> this family was loading up their kids and some valuables into a speeder, like a family-sized speeder. And they carjacked the speeder and left the family, including their children, behind as they escaped the city. Um, and what was interesting is I think they kind of expected early on that I might try to stop them. And uh, I didn't. And they did some really reprehensible stuff when they first started. And when I started showing them the consequences of that, they slowly over the years became more and more heroic um, because they saw that I, there wasn't anything I was going to do to stop them if they're going to do something messed up. And then, their, you know, and then their conscience started wrestling with them. So it was an interesting progression for these characters over the years. Um, you know, the Jedi character didn't start out as a Jedi. He started out as this con man who'd, who'd uh, been kicked out of the, the Jedi Order, who never found a, you know, who had a proper master who uh, it didn't last long. And then he went off and him and the pilot gloss became con men and they were using, he used what little knowledge he had of the forest to, to con people out of money and they were thieves and they were bastards. And, and now he is a proper Jedi Knight. So well, there's dude, some interesting, wasn't there a yeah. case where Merrick's like turned down, like the opportunity to save children? Yes. I mean, there was even, he, he went back to the Jedi order with the intention of becoming a Jedi. Well, what ended up happening is he realized that was hard. And so sometimes he was very frustrated that he was called upon to do his duty. Now, the funny thing is, is that the guy that plays Merrick's is a doctor. And around this time, he was having some real difficulty with his residency. Because as you know, a doctor's residency, very, very trying, very difficult, long hours. And you're, you spend all your time helping people. And uh, you, know, you, you, you put in 80, 90 hours a week, no exaggeration. You go sleepless nights. You do all this stuff. And it's all for the benefit of other people. And you see terrible things day in, day out. So what was funny is there was a parallel in Matt's life with this whole Jedi thing. And at one point, uh, there was, they were in this tavern and, and uh, someone's daughter went missing in the middle of this storm. So this, so this, je- this, um, this man named Flynn, who they'd met, uh, just called everyone together. We have, to find, we have to go out into the woods. We have to find this daughter. And, and he was not nice about it. He was like, we have to go now. We have to go now. And he pointed at the Jedi. He's like, Jedi, let's go. And Merricks didn't like the way that he, that he uh, said that and refused and sat down for a drink while everyone else went off to find the little girl. And the thing he didn't know at the time, which was just perfect ammunition, is that this man who called everyone together to save this girl in the woods was actually uh, a dark Jedi. So later on, when he was having his first lightsaber duel ever in the game, and it was against this guy, the guy used that. He said, no, you, I, look, I'm not trying to kill you. You were right. We're better than they are. You, your instincts are right. You, you're, why are you fighting me? You should join us. You should, you should, you know, we're trying to do something good here, and you know, not everyone is, is uh, worth having at the top, and let's go. And uh, I think Matt, as a, as a character, and you know, maybe in some small measure as a person kind of understood that uh, this was, you know, what he had done was a terrible thing. And, and he was really siding with, you know, with the dark side of the force, if you will, you know, by, by, uh, by being prideful, by, um, by thinking himself uh, above being, uh, 
addressed in a disrespectful manner and stuff. And and uh, there was some interesting character stuff there. Chuck, you want to... So was this well, before whoa, or after Flynn met Sark? Uh, Flynn, yeah, that way he was shot and put into the computer, and yeah, yeah, ha ha. So <laughs> no originality as a game master. <laughs> I've got a real, I've got a serious question though. As the game is going on for, for so many years. First of all, how many years has it been going on? This well, one I think actually, particular game. I think it started in two thousand two. Okay, seven oh, okay. years. Seven years. So, do your characters? Are they advancing as you do? So are they growing up? Basically, do you? It sounds like from this last story that that's kind of what's happening. What, whatever's going on in real life often mimics art, often mimics life, vice versa. Kind uh, of absolutely. Stuff. But does it yeah, have yeah, I think a it, lot? I think it totally does. Um, and, and I'll just I'll jump in because again, a lot of the stuff that that Sam is talking about, um, it this all happened long before I was ever in the game. And, and that's, again, that's part of the, the reason is that there's like this, this long and storied history of this party and this group and the relationships they have. And, you know, all of this sort of personal advancement um, within and without of, of the game. And I think it's interesting when you look at a campaign that runs this long, um, and I was going to make the exact same point is that, it's all at a point in our lives where like, you know, everything was changing and like you're growing up and you're becoming an adult and you're like, Oh, I got to get a job and I've got to work and Oh, Hey, work kind of sucks. And um, a a lot of those things, you know, and a lot of those sort of just like life changes and, and getting out in the real world um, I think certainly play in, in, in any campaign that, that runs this long And, and game time is totally and completely compressed. Right. I mean, you know, real life goes on at its pace and and the the gaps between playing the games so much changes on the outside. And then you have to come back and sort of revisit this character and revisit the situations that they're in and the scenarios. And, you know, I, I definitely think your 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 place in in life and real life um, it weighs on that. And, and you know, I, I just from hearing the stories before I was even in the game and, you know, Sam and I would talk about it like. It, it certainly has an impact and, and has shaped this group. They've really come around, uh, you know, like you said, Sam, from sort of a bunch of, you know, bastards with, with no morals yeah. to yeah to a, a, a very mature group. You have a lot of people who understand their characters. Their, their in-game characters certainly reflect the qualities that they, that they have um, just as regular people. And I, I think it's key. I think that's what helps everyone understand where they're going, what they're doing, and, and, and what they want to do, what their motivations are in, in the game world. So yeah, how, do you, a, a, how do you deal with, I mean, because you're going so long without playing, If as people are, are getting older and growing up, they're going to start playing their characters differently. So how do you as a GM deal with the fact that the next time they meet, they're probably going to be changing the way that they're playing that character? You know, it's not... Now, these guys, some of these people that, that we're playing with, I've been friends with. I mean, the guy that plays the Jedi, I've been friends with him since I was three or four years old. So these guys, it, you know, it's a weird thing. You know, as much as things change, the, the, you know, what's the saying? If fool me, can't be fooled again. What was it? 
uh, the, as much as things change, as much as things stay the same, whatever the hell that saying sex is. Sex in advance, right. Sex in advance. Sex, sex in advance. Yeah, sex Everything advance. can be answered with sex in advance. Sex in Just advance. Sex. And Beautiful. it well, at least it distracts you long enough to know that I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, yes. but basically, uh, these these guys are essentially the same guys I've known you know, since second grade or whenever. And uh, they what we do is, again, we play sometimes uh, twice a year, sometimes once a year, and when we do it, we go for it. We, we'll come out of it with uh, 26 hours of audio files of us playing. Um, 26 hours of playing, that's, that's a lot of playing to fit into a few days. Um, yeah, I would say across two or three days, realistically. Yeah, it's, we, we go for it. We, uh, um, but basically, these, these guys, they don't, the characters are never, it never seems to be a problem. They're never quite out of character. They, uh, the characters have been maturing. I mean, I can tell you the Jedi guy um, devoted himself hardcore to the Jedi ar- ideal around the same time that he really learned to deal with being a doctor. When he really learned to deal, he's like, I am a doctor. That is what I am. I need to let go of my frustration with having no life. It's going to be this way for several more years, then it's going to get better, but I'm a doctor. That's what I do. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so his character has been progressively becoming more and more at ease with, with his Jedi role. Um, and I've found the character development to be really... I mean, you know what it is? It, playing once or twice a year and playing that much for once or twice a year gives, it definitely gave our campaign more of a movie feel. Because in a movie, you have huge character arcs that really in real life sometimes would take place over a year. You know, you see changes in people that would be more gradual in real life, but they compress it for a film. So when, you, when we put it together in Star Wars and one day is one year and the next day is, you know, a year later in real time, um, you will see movie-like changes in character, but not huge changes so big that they don't make any sense. Well, I think another thing is when you, when you only game at, at that frequency, um, you really gear up for it. I mean, I think everybody invests a lot, and we can cover some of the stuff later, I think, that, that you and I had done, Sam, especially for the last session. But um, we certainly look to make the, the most of it. It's There's nothing sort of blasé or, you know, where you feel like, oh, yeah, it's you know time for the time for the game to get on and next weekend we'll meet again it, it's with it being so infrequent that the stakes are almost so much higher that you know everybody is there to game there's no distraction um you know it everybody sort of takes their their role very seriously um not so much that it's not fun or anything but the fact it's like very well understood we're there to game i, I think in a way it focus a you know focuses um the group on on that so you know Sam doesn't doesn't have to work a whole lot to sort of keep us engaged. We're all there to yeah. you know to be there and get get it on. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the things that really intrigued me about prepping for this this episode, guys, when I was looking at, at the stories that you know we were going to be talking about, you guys are in a unique situation in the fact that you guys only play once or twice a year. Um. We have a lot of listeners, and we get a lot of questions from people who are saying, you know, I, I don't get the chance to play every week, every other week, every three weeks, every month. I only get the chance to play every other month, every quarter, once a year. What, what amazes me from the stories I hear from you guys is that you've managed to maintain this sense of cohesion 
and furthermore, this sense of, of fun and suspension of disbelief, despite the time differential. I mean, mm-hmm. even I, I run several games, but because, you know, I, again, I mean, shoot, Dave, TG, our, our, our flagship game, we play once every what? Oh, we started, we started monthly, and we're, we're about quarterly now. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we get split. Quarter- yeah. So maybe awesome. once every once every two or three months, maybe that's it. Yeah. And it's it's become it's become a chore, uh, not a not a not a not a bad not a chore. It's become it's become a little difficult sometimes to keep people's interest going in the story in terms of what's happened. What have you guys done to to? I mean, I I know this is leading into a whole other area of discussion, but what have you guys totally. done to to a <laughs> keep everyone up to date on what's been going on. I mean, if it's been a year since you played, you know, how do you keep that cohesion? What what tools do you use, and what recommendations can you give for what I call um, uh, uh, short short weather gamers? You know, guys that can only or, or snowbirds, guys that can only game every so often. Hey, hold on, before well, you, you know, answer, I'm gonna... that, Sam. What's up? Before you answer yeah. that, I need to disagree with with Crewit, my esteemed colleague. Oh, please. Yes. I don't find that we ever have a problem getting people psyched up to play i would agree with that and that that is that is our group now i think uh-huh. uh, take it take it take it up a level if you would sam and and talk about it from a from a from a question of scope how is it that yeah. in general game masters can keep their group because you have a very cohesive group they always look forward to playing we have a cohesive group they always look forward to playing but that's not always the case so how do you do that well, look, can I pretend like you guys are not, you guys don't look forward to playing? Can I pretend like and, and talk to you guys as if you're just a bunch of dumbasses? Sure. Okay. Oh, What's, please. Like, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I love being talked yeah. to. Like, uh, <laughs> she loves like it. Regular yeah, you just yeah. grab her by the back of the hair and just say, ah, 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 you yeah. have. Ah, hit me. Ah. Dance, baby. Yes. Yeah, right. I'm like the not... days where a man could do terrible things and be still be charming, so long as you have a pencil thin mustache. Yes. I'm not, not cool. very smart. You can talk to not, me, Janae. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll uh they'll take care of you these days, those ladies. They'll oh. they'll destroy you in the nutsack. But um yeah, <laughs> it, it, so I want to preface this with Chuck um, has a position of power at Walgreens. He is a tech guru god. <laughs> and I'm going to let him take this away with an idea that he came up with a while back that I, at the time cuz I'd created a campaign guide, right? I put together all the information I could gather from all my GM notes, and I made a document for a, ga- a giant gaming session we did two years ago. And this is when Chuck joined the game. And so I printed out these, uh, I printed out these, um, these campaign guides, and I issued them to everyone, and everyone read them. So everyone was completely up to date. Um, but then Chuck uh, up the ante. Go for it, buddy. Yeah, uh, well, I'll even I'll, I'll take it back before that and say that there's a couple of key things um, that set the stage for this. Number one, yeah, Sam, you know, put in a ton of effort. I, I, I think just rule number one is archive all the things you do um, and start building that cam- campaign guide. But the other thing that that you brought in, Sam, is recording the sessions. Um, right, and it can be a pain, and and you know, we took our lumps with some, and it hasn't always gone perfectly. Um, and we can we can kind of get into that as you know lessons learned. But um, the the thing was is by the time I got into this campaign, there was already a, a mountain of history and material. And the the problem is no one had access to it. It was just sort of sitting in one place. And 
Um, yeah, it was on it was on paper. I printed up right. a bunch of packets and I threw in a bunch of like kind of lame generic art and I was like, hey, it's awesome. Check it out, bruh. And then I thought and, about it and that's like that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all um right. but but no, there's this this mountain of sort of archival, you know, data and, and information and character histories and there was, you know, audio files and things like that to go with it. And for me it 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 smacked of um, a perfect fit for doing a, a, a wiki or a wiki or whatever you want to call it. I'm not Hawaiian. I call them wikis. Um, I, I like the Hawaiian version though. That's yeah. pretty cool. The wiki, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I took the liberty of sort of like throwing together a site and, and putting it out and sort of putting a skeleton in place and looking at it as sort of a living, breathing um, campaign guide that we could keep the group involved by by putting up the content, editing the content, we you know posted the audio files there so people could listen. And I, I think what you find is when there are such long gaps, if you can keep the information out there and you can keep people interested in the story and engaged, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you we kind of got everybody in the party, and it started off slow. I mean, me and Sam really just sort of you know brute forced a lot of the content at the start, just throwing stuff on there. Um, yeah, we would, we started with like taking the campaign guide that document I created and just cutting and pasting and putting it on a website form. And and at the time I was skeptical. I was like, well, Chuck really wants to do this and yeah, you know, and he's oh, he put it up. Oh, well, I I better start putting stuff in there. Yeah, cool. And um and and then it and then it occurred to me like, wait a second, you know, there was so much time where we weren't keeping a proper campaign guide and we weren't recording the sessions and oh let's see what people have to say about these events that happened and I created this expansive timeline and, and then people started after that you know people started adding content to it which is Chuck's plan all along his evil master plan that's right my evil master plan is to let everybody else do it you know, where's the evil left we need the evil left now do you think that, by the way, just do you think that if you're evil, like if you're an evil genius, you could be sitting around like playing Xbox with your buddy and you're like, oh, man, dude, this is crazy. And this girl came by and, uh, you know, she's like, hey, guys, you want to go get some Taco Bell? And dude, her dress was like up, you know, and, and there's like it's sticking on her underwear. You could see her ass. <laughs> and you're just like, dude. That guy I, was destined to become an evil genius. Dude, Dave I, did that at lunch on that. Friday. Really? Yeah, I did, except that it was really, really tight jeans that you could see the panty lines. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and, and what was really what? creepy is, is when, he, when he followed it up with the... <laughs> then it was like... <laughs> it, it, it was so yeah, natural. I, I, yeah, I can't even duplicate it because it needs to happen. Like, Right. Yeah, well, you know. the thing is, when, you're, when your friend laughs like that, you have to ask yourself a few questions. One... Does he have a secret island fortress? Two, does he have minions? Three, is he working on a doomsday device? Because that laugh alone is a big right. tell. Yeah. And it's not a secret dude. island fortress, dude. It is a old, abandoned drill platform. Oil Hell platform. yeah. That's what it nice, is. Nice, dude. I mean, it's like rusted, and it's, it feels like it might fall apart at any moment, but the number of women I have locked up in there... Yes, Island of Broken Dreams. That's wow. How did you have you been there? I I no comment. Wow! Wow! You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, dude. You're a fucking Bond villain. Three, nice two. work. 
Yeah, he is. <laughs> there you are. So if anybody so could do it, Dave would. That's yeah. right. That's right. He's sex finger. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sex finger. Wow, man, that's that's my next uh, that's my next Champions Online character. Yes, <laughs> he's the man, the man with the Midas touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow! Sex finger. He brings sex in advance. He's so good. Oh yes. Yeah. Sex I try not to let that out, though. Advance. You know, I try not to let that out. Hey, you know, hey, what what? What were we were we talking about the old republic? We're talking about the website. Yeah, I think we're talking about oh, how you yeah. keep people interested uh, after with, with the year gap, and I think we all got disinterested in it. And <laughs> out came <laughs> Sex Finger. <laughs> no, but let's get let's reengage. Let's replug in. Let's reget engaged because here's mm-hmm. by the time at this point our campaign website, which is in wiki form, which anyone can access and add. Anyone in the group can access and add content to it. What did you say, Chuck? It had 130 pages of content, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely more than that, um, I, I think, at that one point. So, but, I mean, another important thing, I think, is the audio files and the fact that when people listen back to those, again, I, I just think it, it gets people engaged and gets people excited because the story is fresh. And, and when you're not, and, and again, Sam and I just talked about this, yeah. you're not sitting in the game trying to, you know, play and deal with the situation and stuff, and you listen back to things, you get a totally different perspective. Um, and, and again, I, I think you can just tell that once people sort of got the website and, and the point and how it worked and sort of got comfortable putting content on there, um, everybody was really interested. Everybody was really geared up. Um, you know, again, uh, Merrick's the, the Jedi, um, you know, Matt, who, who plays him, would take the audio files to work, and while he was there for hours doing his lab and stuff, would just like re-listen to the files and and gear up and and do things. We have a section on there that's just like memorable quotes. So you know, just any stupid thing that we threw out in the game, in character or or not, would would come out on there. And it, it was good mm-hmm. to see. So I, I think a key is if you're going to have gaps like that between the sessions, you you have to keep people engaged. You know, in between. Um, yeah. You can't just expect to to not talk about it for a year and come in and have it work. You know, I've seen that be that same idea be helpful for our game because um, Chris posts like a recap of what happened with the session afterwards on the forums. It's not as intense as what y'all are doing, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But being able to have that write up and going back and seeing, okay, this is how it all plays out theatrically this is how it would look understanding that it does it keeps you more engaged and ready to create that story again the next time you go yeah and exactly. well, not to mention that you continue you it. get to you get to i mean it's it's like listening to a radio play when we listen back to our audio files i mean it's just this really fun episodic thing that that we can listen back to and and experience that story all over again and that again more than anything because the thing is when you watch a movie right you watch a movie and you really like it. You're really into it. It's awesome, right? But but then you uh, you give it a week or two, and you give it your you know, and you might remember a few parts, but there is so much that you don't actively remember. You know, you need to repeat. You need to see that movie a few times before you start quoting it word for word. And so what that does, it, the audio files are the same way. Once these people, once our our players listen to this stuff a few times, 
they are so hip on what, what, what's happened, what this person said at that point. They're, they're totally down with it. And, uh, and they're down with it in a way that helps when, you know, for the characters, it's only been a day. And for the players, it's been a year or half a year. Now, that kind of answers one of the next questions I wanted to ask was when you have a, a year in between sessions, do you have a year pass in game? I mean, very similar to a movie where if you, if you go through a film in your session, you know, in between episode, you know, uh, episode four and episode five, you've got, you know, a year or two of time passing in the films in Star Wars universe. Do you guys, right. have you ever played with that concept as well? Because I know, I know Dave, TG, I know when we, when we have sessions in our games now at the point, it literally that, that much time has passed. It's like after the session's yeah. over, wow, in game, it's been two months. It's been three months. Yeah, and I have, uh-huh. a, I have a follow-up question after you're done with that. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Tack on. The follow-up there is, as a GM, if you, a year passes and substantial support is released from Wizards with the game, <laughs> how do you deal with that? Um, you mean like changes and stuff? Yeah, or new books. New books, you know, whatnot. Well, here's the cool thing, you know. Chuck, talk about the the non-min-maxing nature of our group. I think that's key. Yeah, again, Sam and I kind of prep for this. I I think one of the reasons things work so well for us is, um, and, you know, back me up on this, is I think Glass is maybe the closest we have to a a min-maxing character, and that's to say that he's not even really close at all. Um, But he, he... you know, has an eye towards how one skill is going to stack with another and, and, and this and that, but he still makes those decisions based on his character and how those skills um, will serve his character. And I think what we find pretty much across the board is that all of us have, have built these characters not to go out and kick ass, but, <laughs> but to, you know, but to make those skill choices. So like, there's this thing that you know my character's the techie guy, right? I'm I, I and the, the you know the computer whiz and sort of the MacGyver um, of the group. And and you know before our last session, um, I had just leveled up, and so you know in addition to some of the other things we do, I, I didn't pick my feats for a year uh, after leveling up. So coming back to that is an interesting thing, but. Um, I went back and forth on a lot of discussion with Sam of there was like sort of a skill I could take that would make me quote unquote, you know, more powerful um, and, you know, more technically feared. Um, or there was something that sort of fit the MacGyverish, uh, you know, nature of my character. Yes. And, and we went back and forth and it was like, well, if I chose the tech skill, um, you know, Sam and I ended up sort of like making bargains of like, well, I'll let you do this in this situation. Let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do that because it's going to be overpowering. And, um, what I sort of realized over the course of the discussions is like, maybe that's just the wrong thing that if, if we're to the point where we have to make bargains, it's not really serving the purpose of my character because it's not what I'm interested in. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I went with a completely different skill and it, it was something where, you know, when, when Sam and I talk about it, it's, it's, any character in his campaign can do anything. You you have a right to do, or at least try anything. He's not going to tell you, well, you don't have that skill. Um, yeah, you if know, you because, don't have the talent, you know, if you don't have the talent for scavenging, you may scavenge. Go for it, scavenge away, buddy. Um, but the guy who has the talent in scavenging just 
for whatever reason, is unreal good. He has a talent for scavenging. He is talented at that. He there's there's we look at talents and feats as being additional. You know, if there was a feat for you throw sand at someone's eye, uh, that guy's really good at throwing sand at people's eyes. He's just for, unreal good. Take sand right. eyes. Eyes are like magnets for sand. <laughs> sand magnets. Eye right. sand magnets. Chuck, take it away with eye sand magnets, dude. Let me run with that. So yes. the first thing I did was get goggles for my eyes. Um, yes. Now, were they you told me that they like see-through goggles, or I mean, did, were they tinted? What? Yeah, no, no. I actually they were completely closed off, and then I used the force to read my data pad. Nice. Yeah, exactly. And but, and but the could thing you see was, the color of the data pad? <laughs> no, he couldn't. Only in my dreams. The color. Right. My dreaming but color. He could, but he could laugh as the sand was thrown against his his eye goggles, which made the burning of a feet for the other guy for eye go- for sand eye throwing it made it useless. Completely, Completely nullified that man's advantage. So yeah, but it, the thing is, is you know we we all tend to pick the the skills not in. And I don't want to say not what they can provide because we definitely look, you know, that they provide a benefit. But all of them are always, you know, seemingly with an eye towards how does it serve uh, my character and how does it serve the story? And is this going to enable me to do, you know, again, I think if you think of it cinematically, you know, how is this going to enable me to have that moment where it's like, you know, oh, you know, all the, the chips are down and. You know, we're tucked into a corner and it's like, hey, you know, give me your blaster, give me your data pad, give me this. I'm going to, like, assemble some, you know, device that's going to get us out of here. Um, a battery run device, TG. That's right. Always got to throw some love at the battery run devices. Give ah, me your yep. vibro axe so I can create a vibro <laughs> type for your device. They say the many a marriages, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yes. but, but I think it's... it's it's those kinds of things and you know sam as a gm doesn't guide us one way or another i i think we're definitely at a point now where there's a lot of trust and again this is another topic we covered is there's there's a good deal of trust that sam as a gm is sort of you know going to take care of us and and not railroad us into doing things um and by the same token none of us are out to like take advantage of a game mechanic i mean to be totally honest we play by the rules quote unquote but, you know, and again, Sam, back me up. Yeah. We're not really big on the rules. Like, rules are there as a framework and a guideline to, to yes. give structure to certain engagements. But, you know, look, we're not totally by the book. And, and it works. I don't think anybody cares it, it, because we want to tell a good story. Yeah. Well, you know, like for example, we talked about this. In, in 50 hours of gaming, I had maybe one... And it wasn't even out of hand. I had one uh, instance where a player really spoke up, didn't agree with the call I made. One in 50 hours. You know, like we have a very cooperative group. And they, and they will tell you when they when they disagree with something. And they'll say, oh, we don't, you know, are you sure? And, and stuff like that. But then if I say, nope, or yep, or whatever, and we just move on. That's that. You know, they, they go with it. They There's a lot of really good etiquette in our group. That's... That's fantastic. I wish most groups By the would way, stay the same. Shibuta, I named a, I named an NPC after you, dude. Wow. Just saying. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I have a follow-up question now to that last comment. Do it. Your group is very large. By I mean, the way, by the way, feel free to interrupt us and, and ask uh, 
questions while we're talking because we talk oh yeah totally jump in time. guys yeah so please. like your group is is big so first you didn't start off with a group Earthy. that big so talk about how you integrated the two new guys and yeah how that made your group very large and what you've done about it well the thing is uh we had a group that was four strong and we we pretty much added three guys um and well it was five strong when we began, but one guy couldn't join us every year. So, um, uh, so basically, it was four as the regulars, and every now and then we had a fifth. Well, by the time two years ago, we we had a, we added that guy permanently, and then there were two other guys that were added. You know, uh, Chuck's character Saul and Johnny Bax. And so I just knew that I needed to run uh, a separate adventure with Saul and Johnny to get them up to speed and to get them involved and to get them some experience. And then I was going to run another one with the with the other guy, the straggler who was in and out, and have those three characters do a little adventure together, and then finally integrate them into the group. Uh, I will say no mean trick to make it all make sense with the story. It, um, but basically, there was this sort of nine uh, eleven across the galaxy attack on all Jedi fortresses throughout the galaxy, and I involved you know, and while that was happening in the main game. Little did they know that the you know this college dropout and this computer nerd were also involved in the middle of that attack, even though they had nothing to do with it. They just were swept up in advance. Chuck, what do you think? Was it did it work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think the integration. Uh, I, I know it surprised me um, the way you the way you pulled it off, and I, I think it's a credit to Sam that um, it, it's obvious this guy when he when he goes away puts a lot of effort. Um, and, and thought into the, you know, call them plot lines, call them what you want, but um, to the threads that sort of tie this group together, he, he puts in an immense amount of effort. And I think having the audio files, you know, you see that listening back, but he ran me and, and Johnny through this, you know, a, an interesting and at times humiliating, uh, especially for my <laughs> character. Well, um, and it started out with a backstory that Chuck came up with. He just said, Hey, my character is really into creating this laptop type thing, this data pad. He's really into that. And these guys stole it because he created this cheating device for for gambling. You know, and, and so it just started out in this casino and I took his backstory and ran with it to to lead to this whole terrorist story. Um Yeah. But it was I mean, hilarious. Oh god. What was, Oh, it was really great, though, is the Johnny, the Johnny Bax character. You know, all these characters, when I look at their character sheets, they have this niche, right? The Jedi has this Jedi niche, and the mercenary has this gun niche, you know, and all these guys have their specific niche in the group, and you see how they're useful. The Timo character, the, the blue-collar worker, is really uh, good at melee combat, and the, the face character, Cervantes, is the, the, the talker, and the, then you have the pilot and all this stuff. And I looked at Johnny Bax, and I'm like, there's nothing this character can do you know you look at his character sheet and he's like there's there's not anything that he has any talent on his sheet that someone else can't do better and i was concerned about that right chuck chuck's character was a techie and in their backstory they went to school together so they they were friends right and they both had rich fathers that worked together and stuff like that they were spoiled rich kids who had real chips on their shoulders right but for different reasons and it wasn't until we first the, the first maybe 10 minutes of playing that I discovered how this Johnny Bax character was going to fit into the group because Chuck's tech MacGyver character, he was trying to figure out, he, he found the guy who stole his, his laptop, right? And he had all this stuff on his laptop that he needed to get and 
you know, and all this information that was really secret that he, he really wanted back. So he found the guy who stole it, but the guy didn't have it on him. So he knew that he'd have to, uh, you know, apprehend this guy. But this guy was like a big football player looking gentleman, you know, this big guy. In fact, I named him after uh, a football player from our high school. <laughs> and, uh, and so this, so this, you know, this guy, we'll call him Pulver, was like, basically he saw Chuck, they were in a casino. And he was laughing at him like, oh, yeah, I took it. What are you going to do about it? And, and Chuck's character is not very physically strong. So he's like, well. And so Chuck's trying clever thing after clever thing. And he's trying to hack into the security systems to get this guy arrested. He's trying to do this. He's trying to do that. He, and nothing's working. And in the meantime, Johnny Bax is gambling away. And he's like, whoa, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, cool, cool. And then and Chuck's not asking him for help or anything like that. And Chuck is getting humiliated. And, and then he gets escorted out of the casino. And he's waiting outside for Pulver to be done gambling. Pulver comes out. Then Chuck tries to hotwire a car because he's going to try to follow him. He fucks that up. The alarm goes off. You know, he runs away from the car. Pulver's laughing his ass off the whole time. Everything Chuck's trying to do is failing. And mind you, as a game master, I didn't know any of this stuff would fail. It was just like, you know, because Chuck was coming up with these great, clever ideas. They just, none of them were gelling. No. And then Johnny backs. Johnny Bax walks out and he's like, and he heard the alarm, the car alarm. He's like, what's going on? Hey, Saul, what's going on? And, and he's like, Johnny, Johnny, what's, you know, and he's like, what, what's, you've seemed agitated while I was playing cards. What's going on? And, and so Chuck points at Pulver across the street, who's sitting on his speeder bike, laughing his ass off. Chuck points to him and he's like, we need to get that guy. And Johnny's like, that guy? He's like, yeah. So then Johnny just runs, pushes a guy off like this horse type thing, gets on. He's like, hop on and just goes after him. And immediately this, this whole chase <laughs> begins with this guy in this huge cinematic, awesome chase scene. Awesome chase. And it's all because, yeah, and it's all because Johnny Bax is like, who, that guy? Oh, okay. And he looks around and he sees this creature that's like a horse and this guy on the top giving people like rides in this carriage. And he's like, runs over to the guy, shoves him off, gets on the horse. He's like, come on, get in the back. Let's go. And, you know, just he's just this impetuous mistake-making slacker idiot who will every now and then do something just he's just really impulsive and and that was one thing that chuck uh, you know as a player he's not very impulsive he's very you know yeah, he's very, very calculated uh, very analytical very right. calculated and and johnny is not calculated at all and he's just impulsive so with these two characters playing off each other their whole adventure was hilarious yeah because listening, they listening back it it's amazing. Like, again, you, you don't see it in there, but yeah, that chase and the improvised weapon and setting the Wookiee on fire and, you know, throwing a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a moment where they were chasing after this guy on the speeder bike and they're on the back of the, 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 the big horse whale creature. And the guy, the pulver throws a beer can back at him, hits Johnny in the forehead. Johnny gets <laughs> mad. So they're going through this, they're going through this uh, marketplace, and Johnny's like, "I'm just reaching out to grab for anything." And he's in like a you know sort of like a livestock area. Grabs like a squirrel-like creature and throws it at the guy, and ended up hitting. So the guy, you know, and the guy's like wrestling with that. And I mean, it was just it was hilarious. Everything that he was doing was just totally atypical, mind you. They ended up going after this guy. He ended up pulling a gun. They had no weapons, but they they you know through luck and through just doing crazy shit because of Johnny Bax just being out of his mind, just doing things you wouldn't imagine doing. I mean, Johnny Bax is the kind of guy who <laughs> they were in a detention center, the whole group, and they discovered that <laughs> they discovered that if you fired, it was magnetically shields, there's ricochets. Right. People could get hurt. 
So the gun guy orders everyone, like, put all your blasters on stun so they could fire and not worry about the ricochets because it was very limited range. Well, Johnny didn't get the memo. <laughs> so he's still firing <laughs> live rounds. And, and they're just like, what are you doing? He's like, sorry, sorry, every time, because he always misses. He can't hit anything. And then eventually he just throws his gun down and there's a turret that's blasting away at them. So Johnny knows a little bit of the force. The whole rev- revelation of this guy is that he was also a Jedi dropout, but like he never became a full Padawan. So he starts taking bling. He wears a lot of bling, right? Because he's, you know, he's like, he looks like a guy it's from a the Matrix. He's just a stupid kid. He starts taking his bling and using the force to throw it <laughs> at his enemies. And he's missing. <laughs> and so he's just throwing jewelry at the bad guys while the rest of the guys are fighting. So you're just, you're watching this whole scene play out. And he's the comic relief. He just, and he's really trying to, to be effective, but he's, and sometimes he saves everyone's bacon. But most of the yeah. time, he just does not, he doesn't get the memo. And that's his role in the group. That's what he does. Flying jewelry of doom. Yeah, well, and, right. and, and, but an important thing is, and again, I think it shows the nature of the group is like, you know, in that first adventure, when, when you integrated the group, so, you know, mine and, and Johnny's adventure sort of ends up with us, um, you know, jetting off in this in this spaceship, just trying to get to safety. There's this huge explosion. Um, there was a ship that that crashed into a skyhook, and we, you know, averted disaster. Um, it was part of the terror attack that was taking place. Right, right. So we're we're in the ship, and we we you know, and again, credit to Sam because the the integration thing was just fantastic. So we crash into this hangar bay, um, and and TK Terrence Knox, you know, the the soldier guys there. Um, and one of the and, first and things not, he says, go ahead, dude. And well, the thing with, and just keep in mind, Tarek, this guy who had been in and out of our game, ran a security company that was part of his thing. So I was like, well, okay. His security company happens to be looking after this ship that they crashed into. So go on. So, yeah, but it, like one of the first things, Terrence, it looks at Johnny Bax and it's just like, is this kid okay mentally? Like, <laughs> is he... <laughs> Just, just immediately sizing him up, and and you know, Johnny. Well, that was after, yeah, that was after Johnny had, you know, decided to wrestle a battle droid, wrestle and, a battle droid, and, and kick him in the nuts, which didn't work. Right. Yeah, but had to, uh, had yeah. to kick the droid in the nuts. Yeah, droids don't. Have, yeah, kick it droid in the bolts. It doesn't really do it. <laughs> do doesn't really do it. So, yeah, basically, and 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 this is in a very rational group, and this this you know, he's the kind of guy. There's a level of frustration, I think, and again, we talked about this, where it's like, this guy's just doing crazy stuff. And I, I think in that first encounter after the integration, there was a lot of, and we talked about this, there was a lot of, like, metagaming of, like... There was a lot know, of people you, saying, don't do that, or don't do, don't you understand, if you try to fire twice, you know, with both of your guns, you're going to miss. And a lot of people saying that, I told them as the Game Master, like, you guys have to shut up. Let him do whatever he's going to do. Don't influence him. He's a new gamer. Let him do his thing. And... The thing was, is that 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 was the only way his character would flourish because he would just learn from from trial and error, learn that droids don't react well to to kneeing them, you know, and and uh, that was when he was most entertaining because he would make these mistakes that would really create a lot of tension and a lot of humor in these uh, in these encounters. I think that's cool. one of the hardest things for people to do, especially experienced gamers, when you bring a new gamer into the group. And keep in mind, for those of you listening. You want to bring new gamers into your group because it's the only way yes. the hobby is going to grow. Um, and right. furthermore, you'll, you'll introduce the joy of what we do to people who may not have otherwise experienced it is letting them fuck up. Um, yes. 
it's so easy for an experienced gamer just to go, dude, dude no, 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 you would use rapid shot, don't use rapid shot, well, you don't want to double attack, not now, you don't have a single, just let them do what they want to do, they'll figure it out and it'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's I mean, the thing, if you look, if you watch a film, I'm sorry, Chuck, did go I? Go ahead, dude, go ahead, go ahead. If you watch a film, the drama, like watch Indiana Jones, the drama comes when he makes mistakes, when mm-hmm. he doesn't do the right thing. And, and, you know, or in Star Wars, people make mistakes all the time. And that creates drama. Now, now you know, the characters in this game, I've, I've, I've beat it into my players' heads. You do not, you, you listen when other people's turns go, and you do not tell them what to do. You don't. You don't participate that way. You know, if you, you can, if you want to spend a swift action, you can bark something out to them and that's it. And in fact, in a very funny moment, uh, the Knox character was setting up a, a flanking fire thing with this droid. And so, you know, Johnny backs is right behind him. And with this swift action, he does a hand signal that says, Johnny, go over there, you know, to the left. So Knox runs off to the right. And then on Johnny's turn... You know, and Johnny nods. You know, Johnny, go to the left, and, he, and Johnny nods, and then he run, and then Knox runs off to the right, and then on Johnny's turn, he just follows Knox over right with him. You know, <laughs> that's just, exactly so, what so I was Knox, tell. Right, Knox turns around. Johnny's right there. He goes, "Good, okay, great." But moments like that create a character moment, create drama, create you know, like it's it's it enhances the game to see people mess up. And the thing is, is so many people are trying to win. They're trying to win the game, and it's like, no, stop it. Let it so, be what it is. So it seems it, in the games that I've had the most fun in is when they're not so concerned, like you're saying, about winning, but they make their characters human. And to air is human, right? I know it's a cliche, but it's true. Yes. And it seems that's yeah. where the most fun in the game comes from. So you make characters who have flaws. You know, yeah. they're college dropouts or they've got a gambling problem or they've got some kind of flaw that is going to help shape the story, but is also going to make them make bad decisions throughout. Yes. The I, I mean, it, I'll jump off on that and say there's, you know, my character Saul is, again, he's sort of the, the typical, you know, techie, geeky guy. And he's a bit antisocial. It's like, you know, him and him and Johnny get on because they have this weird, you know, opposites attract sort of thing they're just like two guys who who you know hooked up and and it and it works but um there's a lot of tension especially in the first session um between me and and merrick's the jedi um yeah and there was there's a, a bit of a i don't want to say a full-out power struggle but but sort of a very you know low intensity um power struggle where soul was sort of you know making some plans and and doing some things executing um, plans without telling the rest of the group <laughs> right, just setting things in motion and 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 like some pretty serious things. There was you know these like hundreds and hundreds of of slaves who had you know collars and stuff, and basically Sol gets in and hacks the system and sets basically a timer that's going to blow these these co- not explode them, but like release the <laughs> collars um, right. on all these slaves, and he's basically setting it up to be a diversion for the group to escape. But I just like two yeah. hours was like an arbitrary time that i that i they have to they have to go into this tomb and find this star map and chuck gives them two hours he set he's like there's gonna be you know we have two hours to do that and the rest of the group is like what where have you what where have you been and uh and he by himself just decided two hours was the limit we're in we're out in two hours and and turns out that was the right amount of time but it it very well might not have been 
No, yeah. And once again, I think it was Johnny Bax who like led the group, you know, totally by accident. But to to get back to your your point, it, it's those things. It's it's the no one else in the group would have said, go do that. And here's our plan is the fact that I just sort of went off and did it. And again, it, it intentionally, um, you know, that was just me running off and, and, you know, doing my thing. Saul definitely has like authority issues. So seeing these no. people enslaved is you know, something that's going to piss him off. So it's like, well, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll use it for my advantage, but I'm going to like, you know, release these people and what happens happens. And, you know, no. there was, definitely some moments in the group where there was some serious tension over that, but it, it's great. When you listen back to it, um, it's really good stuff. It's very fun, entertaining. And, and again, there's another storyline that, you know, Sam as a GM doesn't have to make. It's just playing out between the characters. Right. It's content I don't have to generate. And the, and the funny thing is that two hours and because they watched the clock and they rushed when they needed to rush, two hours was the perfect amount of time. And they, and they exited and got to their ship on that two hour moment and save the slaves, which is something I didn't anticipate as a game master that it was even possible. Now, there are times when people going off on their own doesn't go so well. Um, in the case <laughs> of Gloss, uh, basically, they, in a very pivotal battle, captured one of the lead bad guys, one of the big bad guys, and they had him aboard the ship, and they interrogated him. They didn't get much out of him yet, but they were starting to break him, and they were you know, they were very Abu Ghraib about it. They were not cool. And uh, they had some Jedi NPCs aboard the ship who were giving Merrick some really hard looks, being like, are you kidding? They're, if you actually harm this guy, we're not okay with this. You're, you're getting close to torturing this guy. Stop this. So that was where we ended one session. Then a year right. later, we come back. Or a little bit less than a year later, we come back. First thing that happens is Gloss, the pilot, um, walks in to where this guy's held and puts a bullet through his head. Because there was a whole talk the time before about what to do with this prisoner. And he decided that he felt he was too dangerous to have around and decided on his own this guy was going to die. And then, Chuck, you can tell what happened because of that. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's weird because it happens so soon. Um, and again, as you might imagine, when you're away from the game for that long, it sort of takes a while to get the engines revved up and... and even though you know the situation, it takes a minute to get back in the character. But this one action, literally, I just think, I don't think anybody was ready to process it. Well, it was um, pretty, yeah. And that was the thing. You could, I could watch, I was watching as the players wanted to shy away from this and pretend like it hadn't happened. They were about to go off and explore this ancient cruiser they had found. And they were about to walk off the ramp when they heard a blaster bolt and their buddy had decided to take matters in his own hands and kill this guy. And I could wa I watched as the players were like, "Well, let's not deal with this now. Let's go out on the under the cruiser." And and I, as a gym, as a game game master, my personal morals were highly offended, highly offended. I was horrified by by what had happened, and I really resisted the urge to stop him in some way from doing this, which I could have come up with. Oh, uh, you know, you're on the way to the to, you know when he's walking to where the prisoners held. You see that he has a dangerous glint in his eye. Do you stop him? You know, but I didn't. And I let it. And in fact, one of the players tried to stop him at the last minute. And I said, "No, you're not anywhere near him." And so he puts a bullet through this guy's head. Mind you, I have prepared all this information that this NPC <laughs> is going to give the guys. But they, you know, he shot him in the head. And then, the, and then my players are are deciding they don't want to deal with it. Well, I was disgusted, and I was, uh, and I wasn't showing it. I was disappointed morally in in that player. 
but I am the impartial game master. Oh, wait, wait. There's Jedi NPCs. Here is a, here is a, a place where I can vent my frustration in character. These characters are going to speak up for how I feel about it. And then these other characters that are with them, these other NPCs, they don't care. They hated that guy. But these Jedi are going to speak up. And suddenly, you know, when, when I provided NPCs who are reacting like someone just got murdered, you saw the blood drain out of everyone's face. It was almost like it was a game until I had the NPCs speak up. Like, you know, one of the NPCs was a child and just started crying. You know, a Jedi, a Jedi youngling, two of them. And they were just ashen and horrified. And once that happened, this incredible drama happened between the players and all this discussion over how, how could you have done this? And how do we move on from here? And, and this talk about trust in character. And I mean, Chuck, you were there. What was it like? It's yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was definitely like a powerful moment. And, and again, it, it took some, some nudging to sort of get the group to address it. But, but once it went, it, it was great because everybody fell into their roles and, there was there was a great speech um, by Cervantes, sort of the the actor, yeah, the actor. The face of the group, mm-hmm. um, of you know, it's it essentially amounts to sort of the you know desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, you know, it's we, it wasn't a good thing to do. I don't like that he did it, but it's done. And how do we move on from here? Is what where he took the discussion. In the meantime, the Jedi are going to to Merrick's the Jedi and saying this is a Jedi mission. You're in you're in charge of it. And how dare you let this happen on your watch? And he's your friend who did this. And how, what are you going to do about this? And uh, created this huge uh, rift in the group. And I saw the player who had done this, Glass. I could see him having a, uh, his conscience started messing with him. Yeah, he was squirming you know? a bit. He was. And, and, and you could tell that it was, you know, that he started feeling bad about this. And what was wonderful is what this did to the player. And this is why you don't want to railroad your groups. What this did is it put him in a position where he felt to balance it out, he had to start acting heroically. And, and he hadn't for a long time. This guy was kind of completely self-serving, had done all this you know, selfish stuff, and he wasn't really helping a lot of people. And suddenly he shoots this guy in the head, sees how everyone reacts, starts having this, con- this moment of conscience like, God, I guess I did shoot a defenseless, tied-up man in the head. And started going to the NPCs, the Jedi NPCs, trying to smooth things over in his own way. And, and then started risking his life to save everyone, almost to prove that, that, that he, he knew he had done wrong. And uh, became sort of, in many ways, I mean, would you say, Chuck, kind of one of the MVPs of that, of that whole several session adventure? Yeah, I mean, he completely, you know, folks, and he is one of the, obviously one of the, the higher level characters he's been there for a while so he's he's a fairly you know competent you know player not just in him as a player but his his character and yeah i mean he completely turned it around um and and was like devastating like keep saving know, lives yeah uh, key moments key yeah. shots you know doing you know things taking risks going out and doing a spacewalk to do like a repair that's was like pretty high risk um, you know, uh, spending destiny points to save other players. It, it was like as if he wanted to balance out the karmic, the karmic uh, crime that he'd committed. So, do you are your players at different levels based off uh, off of how long they've been playing in this particular game? Yes, they are. Some of the players, because they are kind of self serving bastards, every now and then 
<laughs> they bow out when a big battle comes. That, that's happened a few times where people are like, I'm not going because they're not paying me. And that's it. So they don't get experience for that. And then some players couldn't make certain sessions. So, and then obviously the newcomers, um, you know, are, are still playing catch up. But, you know, the yeah, cool- that, that was a big part of, of why we had that initial session was like, it would have been very difficult and it even was difficult as it was to integrate sort of like level one characters with like level six characters mm-hmm. just yeah. from a challenge. Yeah. So, so Sam sort of ran that initial campaign so that, you know, Johnny and, and my character had a chance to at least level up a bit. Okay. So from my experience, it's hard enough being around three or four guys. You've got seven. How do you run yeah. a game? With seven people. Guys, well, they're all guys, right? I'm assuming. Yes. Because that's got to make it harder because they're men. 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 We prefer men. <laughs> yeah, girthy uh-huh. men. Boys. Yes. yes. Boys. Man boys. Yes. Nine exactly. and a half size. No, Nine I, I mean, and a half. There's a good story about that um, in, in that it's the thing is it's seven characters, but many of these people have picked up NPCs that are that are as full-fledged you know, characters in the campaign. Yeah, we have like 15 guys running around. Right. Guys and girls. Yeah. Guys and gals. So I, I, yeah, I think in the, the first big session we had where we ran that, I know, Sam, you were looking um, at a tool to help, and, and combat for us was was difficult. Nightmare. I mean, it was confusing. It was time-consuming. Um, I mean, you could probably tell it better than I can, but... It was, yeah, it was just like, how do I create encounters for a group of not even seven guys, sometimes 10, 10 uh, players and NPCs. So I'd have to come up with these giant encounters. And so I'm, I'm running, you know, 10 or 12 enemies to, to challenge them or, or, you know, even running six or seven more powerful enemies is still very taxing. You know, your mental bandwidth is getting eaten up. Yeah, but there were times where 30 plus... 30 plus characters engaged in battle, you know, PCs and NPCs, which is really tough to keep track of. And I had gotten a piece of software to help me track initiative and stuff like that. Well, long story short, uh, Chuck got wind of this and wrote a custom piece of software for Star Wars. (laughs) So that's how we we spent the the gap between that first session and the, the second session, basically building, building a better mousetrap for, for Sam to use so that, we didn't have those issues. I mean, we had cases where, you know, people and, and uh, part of the whole class story is in like one of the key pivotal, you know, battles, the, the climactic battle. I think, you know, he got skipped, you know, once or twice in the initiative and didn't even get to act. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it wasn't. Way you know, to go, anyone's... Sam. God, you're a sucky GM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> joke, man. God. God. Stupid. Stupid. I, well, that's the funny thing is, is. You know, the player for Glass, he got very frustrated with me, and I, I had to make him understand how much I was doing. You know, I'm like, I, dude, I'm so sorry, but I'm, you know, a little busy. Like, you got to speak up. <laughs> and the funny <laughs> thing is, is this is this is before, in a, in a weird way, he wasn't very active in those groups of sessions. Uh, and then a year later, he comes back and shoots a guy in the head, almost like he was exerting his influence on the game, you know? I don't know if it was revenge against me or what, but but it did end up having an having a ended up making an impression, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, so I basically custom built the tool. Just said, you know, dude, give me your wish list. How would you want this tool to work? What was missing? Um, what was wrong? 
and uh, worked on that for quite a while. It's called, for the time being, it's called GM Helper, of all things. But what a clever name that is. So what does uh, yes. it do that helps? How is it, how does it make, make coffee? It right. It, it polishes, massages his, his legs and feet. Can it pick up my dry shining. cleaning? Yeah. It picks um, up your dry cleaning, and it and it has it has a tube connected to one of my veins that just injects Red Bull directly into my bloodstream. <laughs> okay, and it, that keeps him awake long enough to not skip people initiative. Now it's it's a combination. It's an initiative tracker. Um, it also tracks all of the the main combat um, stats for the players and allows him to apply conditions. Um, you know, persistent, non-persistent will automatically adjust all those stats. Um, he can basically preload it with NPCs, so basically build all the templates for those. Preload encounters; it, it'll do multiple encounters simultaneously, um, and and just tracks all the things. So it, it'll automatically roll initiative. He can do perception checks. In fact, he can do any skill um, for players. He can basically sort of right click, go, and and do a skill check. Um, so it's you know well, this is something that that will eventually be available to the to the d20 community i certainly hope to yeah i certainly hope to to open it up um you know i'm going to say the same thing every developer says is it's sort of a mess right now it's sort of a you know not something pretty that i would like anybody in the public seeing oh hey Um, yeah i have an idea i have a i have an idea if you want some like beta testers we could open this up yeah (laughs) that's actually really useful dude why not hold on beta testers that are within our d20 contributor community Ah uh, yes. Yeah. Just know, throw, uh, just throw, just throwing that out there, guys. I do have. We can we can talk about it in the post show. I we can throw some screenshots and some videos and stuff out. But you know, again, I'll, I'll let Sam speak to it as an end user. Um, yeah. I, I think it it made a huge difference in the in the um, the following session where we actually used it. Difference between running the game and not running the game, guys. Really, with that many people. Yeah. I can imagine that's uh, yeah. well with. My slowpoke husband over there, over oh, here. Um, yeah. We've got how, five players, five players. So Ow. one, one battle, one battle. What's if up? we had maybe five people, five um, baddies in there, would take us uh, two and a half, three hours. Really, Chris? What do you use? What do you What do you do? How do you deal with that? You said the index cards at one point, right? Yeah, note note cards. At one point, I trained G- I trained Dave to uh, uh, throw pretzels at me when I started to fall asleep. That was kind of helpful. Um, <laughs> really? Um, yeah. <laughs> no. Seriously, man. A, a tool like that would be absolutely phenomenal. I've I've tried various things, and honestly, I initiative cards, <laughs> initiative really? initiative cards, and marking condition tracks on them as I go, and having all the stats there handy. That's kind of my number one recommendation. I would kill for a program I could just load on my laptop. Yeah. The initiative cards have been a big help for you. <laughs> The initiative cards uh, for 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 you know obviously smaller for smaller scale when you're talking you know five PCs maybe one NPC and then uh, half a dozen to eight threats uh, that's that's still manageable but it gets tough. Well, I it think gets, I think we yeah. tested with sixty plus people, right? Yeah, we did. God. So it'll it'll track that. I mean, again, not to derail and make it an, an app for it, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely proud of it. it it worked well the testament was that you know sam ultimately didn't have a lot to say about it which which is any good means it works means, yeah it means it just worked it, i'm it, just i'm well, I'm, blown, I'm blown away that sam had nothing to say about something right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly 
Can I, I, I know like, we're, we're looking to maybe wrap things up. There was a question in the chat room that somebody was asking Sam how much time he spends preparing. And let me answer this first, dude, and you can jump in. But I did want no, to. No, you can answer it. Go for, for it. <laughs> he spends a ton of time, dare I say, a shitload of time um, preparing for these things. And, and, it, and it shows. And I, I think it's, you know, you can say what you want about the guys in the group. We all get along. We're all very mature. You know, we, we do this to have fun. Nobody's in it to win it. But the bottom line is the, the biggest asset we have is Sam, I think, as a game master, not just because he puts in a lot of time and he does great stories, but, you know, the beautiful thing about having a guy who's, who's a, you know, passably good actor um, as your, as your game master is that the NPC characterizations and, you know, the things that he puts into it are, are amazing. It's really immersive. The, you know, you can't help but be into it um, when you see the energy he's putting out. And, and when you run sessions like ours, which are like, you know, blocks of three or four hours at a go for an entire day, and it's four in the morning, and everybody's just, you know, yeah. beat. Um, and, and Sam's just throwing it out there and, and you know, totally committed to, to the NPCs and, and coming up with great characters. Um, that's a huge asset. So, I mean, it, it, that makes the game interesting as much as anything else. Um, but I think for this last session, I mean, he does audio soundtracks. He's got like three, you know, layers and beds of background noises, of action music, sound effects that he's, you know, doing as well. I think for this last session, you know, he added another thing. He comes up with game artifacts. So, like, if I'm hacking a computer and I get a document, he'll print out we bring a printer which is another piece of gear that we you wouldn't think of having at these you know these sessions but we'll bring a laser printer and he's like printing out the document and going you get this or he'll print out an image like (laughs) find a map and it's like you get this and he sat there in photoshop and like made a map of the galaxy or made a map from artifact so uh, you know the amount of effort he puts in I, i think we all see it after the fact um is immense and and that you know, I think more than anything is is the heart and soul um, of the campaign. And that's what keeps all of us excited to come back. So, you know, I think I should get some experience for hyping you up so much. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Preacher 23 is in Echo Base right now. It's like, next D20 radio contest, win a spot in Sam's game. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the cool thing is, is that also, like, the more, you know, when GM helpers running, I don't have to worry about that. So that's bandwidth I can put into making the NPCs live and breathe. Uh, when I have people at LucasArts making artwork for me, which you could only really do if you have the time for, you know, you put the orders out, you know, and the LucasArts artists come up with this amazing art. I mean, I had whole characters that they designed based on descriptions I gave them. And you can do that when you, work, when you play once or twice a year. You can have all this stuff to throw at your players. But the thing is, the more stuff you can throw at your players, the more you can produce ideas beforehand, the more bandwidth you have to make shit up and pull shit out of your ass in the moment. You know, Words to live by. Words to live by. <laughs> They're in the chat room in Echo Base right now going, man... Like Darth Jared's in there. This this just inspires me for my game this weekend. This is all yada yada yada. So good, <laughs> oh. good, good stuff, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Oh, well, thank you. Thank music. you for having us. Sad, sad panda music is coming on. Oh, <sighs> but it's okay. It means we're moving into post show. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. time to wrap up. 
Guys, thank you so much for spending the better part of two and a half hours with us. Thank awesome. you. Sharing Fair all your experience. And hopefully it was helpful for the Echo Base and Gamer Nation as a whole. Definitely. Yeah, I really want to see this GM helper. That would be... <laughs> I will uh, I will get really the info out to cool. you guys. That would be really, really Fantastic. cool. Yep, so that being said, Chris, what have you got? Well, I, I just want to once again, thank you guys for coming on and, and sharing with us your knowledge, your experience, and, and, and I guess inspiring a lot of us to, to move forward and, and do some good gaming. Things that, uh, thoughts I'm left with on this are proper preparation, immersive storytelling, giving a shit <laughs> about, <laughs> about, about running a game properly, and more importantly, playing in a game, having respect for your fellow players, and doing it will, will lead to fun. And that's kind of the point of it all, I guess. That's so. right. And old school, the sun's coming up in Glasgow. Thank it you is. for staying with us. Thank you. But I want to thank Sam. I want to thank Chuck. I want to thank my buddies uh, Dave and my wife TG. And uh, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. Keep them dice rolling. May they be full of the force. This is Shadowstar, and I'm way too busy serving the Empire, especially Lord Vader. Yeah, yeah. He's real nice. He doesn't hurt anybody. Way too busy to listen to the Order 66 podcast. Hi, this is Tyler Tinsley, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Congrats. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Post show. Dude, that was like perfect. I, I told y'all to keep quiet. And then all of a sudden I hear <laughs> this post show right when I right when I kicked the music off, dude. Right when I what right when I kicked the music off, I heard post show before. It was perfect, dude. <laughs> okay, so I wanna add one extra comment. Chris, you Yo. said your key takeaways from all of this. I have to disagree that uh -oh. the that with your number one key takeaways. Okay. Well, that's... I think the number one key takeaway from all of this is let your players fuck up. Ooh, excellent. Bottom line, yeah. Excellent. Take that is a good takeaway. That's yeah. a great takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. I well, know. Thing, I'm good like that. I know these things. She, she's the a woman. side of that is give them the freedom to do so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, and you know, really 
you know, to react. I mean, it, you know, I think Sam puts himself out there with some of the, we come up with some crazy stuff, man, and it can't be easy to be on the other end. I know you've, you've hinted at, I know you can't say too much um, to me, but I know you've hinted yeah, you've at. You've ruined my plans. You've ruined whole campaigns. Man. <laughs> you've destroyed my, my stories, man, piece by piece. <laughs> but, but have the courage and the confidence as a GM to, to let that stuff happen. I think that's just as important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Chris knows he's 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 thrown an entire module behind his back before. Yes. In defiance. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're doing this. Well, yeah. I mean, but that was when the players did something incredibly stupid. They're gonna. It happens. Yeah, my my players do things moderately stupid on a constant basis, Um, but it it works. (laughs) It works for them. They they end up, you know, like the. It's, you know what it is? It's more on the players, guys. It's more on the players not stopping each other. Because as a game master, we can, you know, we can uh, hold off on telling people, yeah, on hinting you should or should not do this or that. We can, if we're if we're disciplined, we can shut up. But the other players have to be just as disciplined. Yeah. Fair. I would say it's easier for a game master to shut up than for the other players to go, no, 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 don't use don't use a double attack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, admittedly, the the urge is there when Johnny Bax goes in action, but like, you can't fault the can't fault the guy, you can't fault the results because it definitely makes things more entertaining. And, and well, that was definitely something we learned between sort of session one and session two of the entire group going. Is yeah. like let let this kid, you know, let him go, and it's going to be frustrating, and there's going to be you know those moments where you just want to like strangle him, but it it's always all like in hindsight you go back and look and it's like yeah this wouldn't have been nearly as interesting if he wasn't doing what he was doing yeah 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 i mean like he's he's always stealing he'll he'll steal anything that's not bolted down he's always looking immediately yeah entering any room i search for valuables right and then and then now later on they're in bad need of money and guess who's got all the money and guess who you know and they were all would scoff at him when he would go off and try to you know, pry a jewel loose from an inlaid wall in a Sith tomb, and now they all—they're all in bad need of of money for repairs for all bunch of stuff. And he's the man. Okay, speaking of not faulting people and changing gears ever so slightly, Chuck, back me up, dude. Sam, what the fuck, dude? How come you didn't tell us you had this little uh, this little role in this movie that, that's coming out? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, gamer. What? Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, our, yeah. Our my, my man Chuck is sitting here before show yeah. telling me how he's watching the damn film, has no clue <laughs> that you've got I, this this, this I small didn't even, role. Here's the thing: I didn't even realize it was him at first. I like <laughs> I like saw it and then like hearing the voice, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. So <laughs> and then by the time I was like, yeah, I know that guy, and I was there with like a buddy from work, and I'm like. Yeah, I know that guy. Like, he's like, no, like from another movie. I'm like, no, like I, like I really know him. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like I know, I know him. We went, to, we went, like, yeah, with some kids. Yeah, like, like you know, I, I, I know him. Yeah, for, yeah, the, dude, for you, listeners you who are not mention it at all. Well, yeah, for listeners who are not aware that the the film Gamer, which came out this weekend, uh, Sam has a small role in, which uh, is uh, like, like what's like social worker, clerk, something to that effect. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically. Well, that's why I didn't say anything. It's just like it's a small role it's one scene but it's uh i think it's fun i i'd, i've 
basically, I'm, I'm uh, friends with the directors, and uh, they called me up. They wanted. Do you guys watch Dexter at all? Honestly, I've I've been wanting to watch. Never it. heard of it. it. It's it's such it's such a good <laughs> show. I, I've I've seen like one and a half episodes, but I did read uh, uh, Darkly Dreaming Dexter. I did read the first book. So cool. I'm cool. You would you should watch the. the I've, first been, I've, I've, I've been told I've been told the first season is just the first book straight away. It's just it is it. basically, yeah. And uh, w- what's funny about that is that they hired Michael C. Hall for Gamer because they saw him in Dexter because they were watching for me. They watched because they wanted to see what I was going to do in Dexter, and then they saw Michael C. Hall, and they're like, oh, he's perfect for this role. So I think that was my my little reward is they called me up. I was actually on vacation at the time in Florida, and they said, hey, can you fly to, uh, can you fly to um, uh, what was it, Albuquerque tomorrow? I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because we want you to play this role. I'm like, what's the role? Oh, it's a social worker. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And they're like, we, got, we, we wanted someone who's like La Guerta. You know, we, we were going to hire um, – a Latino female, but then we thought it would be a weirder scene if you played it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And I think it is. But dressed I, I, as a Latino female, though, right? <laughs> dressed as a Latino. Well, the underwear. The underwear right. was Latino female underwear. underwear. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was. Uh, I think. I think the scene was pretty cool. It was a. It was a fun little scene, and they let me do uh, some unexpected stuff with it. So that was cool. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so it's a, it's a cameo. It's a nice little cameo that they is. gave. I, I have to say, and I may get slammed for this. I, I you know, look, you, I'm actually looking now at like Rotten Tomatoes, and a lot of people are slamming it. I actually sort of enjoyed the movie. Like, I, I think if you're into the sort of the the internet and gaming culture, you sort of see the sort of gonzo nature of what they're doing, and yeah, it's over the top. It is sort of an extension of where things could go. I, I think people are unfairly bashing it. It was a fun movie. You can't take it seriously. Yeah. And and I don't say that because Sam was in it because I, I had no freaking idea. Oh, wait a minute. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Am I, am I even now? Your F-bomb count is now where it should be. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Good. Nice. Jesus. Good. Good. Um, the only but, person uh, behind the time is Dave so was, far has said almost nothing. I was laughing, you know, at, at the scenes and laughing at sort of the insanity and, and how far they took things. I, I don't know. Sort of like when I saw District 9 and nobody was laughing at it. It was like, wow, you guys really don't get this at all. <laughs> don't get it, yeah. Well, dude, I remember when I first saw um, um, Austin Powers. It depends on what theater and where, like what region you're in and – I dare say, oh, I hate to say this, but sometimes how wealthy the region is, there's a strange, <laughs> look, it, look, I'm going to say something maybe I don't mean, but it seems to me that, that sometimes if you get to a too wealthy area, they, they really expect entertainment to come to them. And if they don't get it right away, they're just not going to give it anything. I sat in a theater full of people and, and me and my friends were the only ones who laughed at Austin Powers and we were getting looks, angry looks from moviegoers because we were laughing in the theater. You know, they want us to be quiet so they can watch the film. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Look what he's doing. Do you get any of this? Do you understand? No? <laughs> Fuck you guys. So we burned down the theater. <laughs> nice. That's, yeah, that's, that's funny. funny. That's I did the same thing. What's that? I, I did the exact same thing. I, I just, I took a, a my, my soda cup filled it with gasoline and threw it on the, um, the ticket seller. Man, I burned down the theater after watching Batman and Robin, but that was for an entirely different reason. 
Oh, boy, that was incredible, wasn't it? You didn't need a source of ignition because that was pretty much flaming already. <laughs> oh, Jesus. One of one – of, no, that is the only film in my life I have ever walked out of. I walked out of it uh, 20 minutes in. And then furiously the masturbated. <laughs> is that the one that, yeah, right. sure, because That's of the nipples far. on the costume. Damn nipples it. on the costume, it'll do it. Damn it. Did you guys, uh, is that the one with Mr. Freeze? Yes. Where, yes. where like, he's literally saying shit that doesn't make any sense, like, yeah. the bones will turn to ice, and I will watch them freeze in my hand. Okay, now that was, their bones will turn to ice, impossible, and I will watch them freeze in my hand, also impossible. Like, What? <laughs> You will watch them freeze. Like, oh, Jesus. I found it very menacing and and terrifying. (laughs) I was was scared that I was going to freeze. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Yeah, it's, you know, Psycho made people not go into the the shower anymore. And Batman and Robin made people afraid of ice cubes. I didn't eat popsicles for a month. I didn't open my fridge for a good 30, 45 (laughs) minutes. Um, Nice. No, seriously, I walked out. I, I, I shit you not. I walked out. I went to the theater manager and I said, Yeah, I want to talk to you about this. I want my money back. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this <laughs> this this movie you've created. <laughs> no, no, it's like, listen, I know you, I didn't create this, but you're showing it. I want my money back. And he literally <laughs> looks at me. He's like, I can't, give my, I can't give you your money back. I'm like, Fine, I want a free ticket to see another film. Oh. <laughs> and he's wow. like, you still, have, you still have your stub? And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, all right, just go to the ticket counter with me right now. We'll we'll get you a free pass. And I'm like, okay. Oh, good, good, good. That's uh, yeah. Well, but, you know, okay, let, let's be honest about something. This is why, you know, Hollywood, uh, <laughs> they've been putting out such crap. And then they go, oh, ticket sales are down. And now we have to make all our money in the first opening weekend. It's like, do you know why that is? <clears throat> it's because in the first weekend, no one knows it fucking sucks yet, you dickheads. <laughs> Well, no one knows the fucking movie blows yet. They haven't told their friends, and they'll stop going after that weekend. You know, like but, Star Trek actually had some life in the theater because it's pretty fucking good. But, dude, have you seen where the theaters now are, for that very argument, they're absolutely horrified of Twitter because now yes. within minutes, everyone knows that the movie sucks, that there's actually some news stories about it. Yeah. That yeah. the studios are like want to ban, uh, like, like twittering or at least you know jam whatever like cell phones or shit so that people cannot get the bad press out as quickly as they can dude the, the aisle nazis go up and down our like at our at our higher end theaters here the aisle nazis the ushers whatever the hell you want to call them they will go up and down if they see the light of a cell phone they will actually ask you to turn it off that disturbs the people behind you it disturbs people behind no. you yeah plus one no, it disturbs the people who make shitty movies and it, you know they they talk about declining ticket sales and look I'm I'm sorry I don't I I know that yes the fact that I have a 42 inch TV in my home and and a lot of people have these really high quality presentation systems in their homes yes that makes a big difference when it comes to ticket sales because people can watch cool movies and watch them well in their homes but you know what else hurts ticket sales shitty fucking movies and remakes and all this stupid fucking bullshit that you know like do you do you know why there's so many remakes because there's a there's a hollywood uh businessman who calls himself a producer sitting behind a desk and he's too goddamn afraid to greenlit anything to greenlight anything original so what does he do he goes through his rolodex and says what movie made a lot of money in this year oh we'll do a remake of that and then they do a remake and then when that movie sucks and doesn't make any money he keeps his job because he goes, well, I rem- look, if you look at the data, 
I, I made a good business decision. I remade a movie that should have made this much of money. Ooh, it was a fluke that it didn't make a lot of money. You know, and he keeps his job. Whereas, you know, they used to have balls. They used to like green light movies like Star Wars because they thought the director had talent. That's it. Mm. I, I just want to say, know, anyone from Hollywood who, who's listening, Sam doesn't really believe this. He thinks you're all great guys. Yeah, yeah, great, <laughs> wonderful. Hire, please. Hire. I'm actually yeah, a little well, upset, exactly. uh, Sam. I'd, I'd kind of like you to tell us how you really feel. I'm. Yeah. See, uh, and, and thank, thank I'd goodness, appreciate yeah. some honesty here. Also, Knight Aaron. Yeah. Knight Aaron says it's really, it's, really good that no Hollywood producers listen to the Order 66 podcast. No one listens to the Order 66 yeah. podcast. Wait, wait, wait. To sneak do they in. never listen or do they never listen to the Order 66 podcast? Yes. Yes. And, yeah, and I wanted to tell you also, going back about seven minutes, that the Langoliers made me switch products. I, know, I no longer use scrubbing bubbles in my shower. <laughs> God. So, nice. There you go. Nice work. Very nice. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, someone just said, old school just said, case in point, two favorite films this year, Inglorious Bastards and District 9. Yeah, um, not remakes. Do you guys know that they're remaking Red Dawn? Yeah, oh, I think it's God, right. yes. It's a it's about terrorists now, right? So so it's the Chinese. Me? It's the Chinese. In- oh, so they're still red. Is that how it's still yes. red? Oh, yes. nice. It's red dawn. They're chi- they're Chinese now. People are getting about- killed. Give me a break. Jesus Christ. And every, you know, I heard there was a remake of Karate Kid on the way. All kinds of stupid shit. What? Why? What? Why? Oh my. They don't need to be screwing with a classic like that. That pisses me off when they take something that is, that, that was. Oh. Wax on, wax off is I so iconic. If it, something like that, oh, that's it. Never mind. It's it's if, not only let iconic. Let me tell you something. If they remade Tron, or if they make ever make a sequel to Tron, uh, never mind. <laughs> right, right. Well, but you know, you give them credit. It's like the the guys that wanted to do the sequel ever since they did the original, and yeah, but, you know. Okay, I, I dude, dude you, you know the story of that, right? How it was like a fan trailer. They premiered yep. at Gen Con. Okay. That, I'm sorry. That's kind of cool. It that's is cool. really awesome. It Top was, Gun it was is getting remade. Oh, that's to... you got What are we having? Top Gun? A remake for Top Gun? Are you serious? There's no nobody. Nobody. Nobody can play Tom Skerritt in that movie. And Michael Ironside, for that matter. Michael, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, seriously. I mean, Viper. I mean, the last Starfighter 2. I had such a man crush on Viper, it was incredible. Uh, dude, I, I wanted Michael Ironside uh, to, you know, whisk me away somewhere in his jet fighter. Oh, just, me and, just me and Ham Tyler. Just and, like, scold you? Talk down to you a little and, bit? And then, yeah, and right, and exactly. And then take me out of the jet fighter and say, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> Total recall. See, women didn't have these kind of thoughts. It's a little disturbing, guys. You have to understand that Top Gun, uh, there's a whole other layer to that film that, uh, that I guess I wasn't aware of in the 80s. If you watch it um, and you, you, know, you go into the, the room with all the new, the, the new recruit pilots for Top Gun, gentlemen, welcome to Top Gun, and all these guys are sitting around with flat tops and frosted tips staring at each other with really suggestive looks on their faces. There's something else going on in that movie. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. I, just I think ah, that was before. Was, don't ask. Don't tell. Discussions about this and the fact that when Tom Cruise goes, like the first time he goes to Kelly McGillis's place, and you know he's going to bang her, and he doesn't. Yeah, yeah and, and that and, scene to like win him over, she's dressed like a man. Well, and then Goose says, "Goose says, 
I want carnal. You know, you you have to have carnal knowledge yeah. of a lady this time. Yeah, see, <laughs> I'm yeah and, and Maverick has a look like, yeah, there's been other times. There have been many other times. <laughs> look at the, you can tell from the look. At, and and again, you know, that's 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 all cool. That's all good. It's just it's it's funny that it just didn't hit our radar back then. You know, that that with, was a song like playing with the boys while they're playing like topless volleyball. Oh, see. How do you miss that? I know. Yeah, the volleyball scene was pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was, that was a double entendre. Oh lord. Sorry. Go on. Reliving. That's an ender. Um. Well, okay. I'll, I'll just I'll just throw this in there. I'll just throw this in there. Um. Uh. The, during the, the making of Top Gun is an interesting uh, documentary because in the making of Top Gun they have a lot of stills and you know how like in a documentary. They'll have a still photograph, but they'll pan through the photograph or they'll zoom in or they'll zoom out to reveal to give the photograph some movement, right? Yeah. So so what ends up happening is like there's there's like, you know, the guy that played Slider and he's like, Yeah, we were just great friends. We were always going around in Val's, you know, van. And then like a, a shot of, you know, two guys sitting in the van, like smiling. And we just went and we were doing all kinds of stuff. And then a shot of two shirtless guys and Val Kilmer shirtless in the background. And you're like, okay, cool, cool. All right. And then more shirtless shots. And then more shirtless shots. And then the kicker is while one guy's talking about how great friends they all were, there's a shot of one guy shirtless, smiling, the guy that plays Slider. And Val Kilmer's like, you know, he's kind of like kneeling down to, you know, behind him, like smiling as well. And then as the, as the photo pans out, you see Val Kilmer's naked thigh and you're like, wait, he's not wearing any pants. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell were these guys doing on the set? Like, what was going on in the making of Top Gun? You know how Slider got his name. <laughs> Slider. You no more mystery. Yeah. God damn you, Sam Whitworth. I'm going to have to go fucking buy Top Gun just so I can watch that. I've got it. I bought it. <sighs> nice. That was some man candy I just could not pass <laughs> up. <laughs> I can't pass up on that man candy, man. I've, I've got it. I own it, man. That's right, man. Okay, let's discuss what other man candy can y'all not pass up since we're on this topic. Oh, dreaming of tube steak. All right, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's get the female point of view. Ah, the female yes. point of view. Ah, to on, take a picture uh, no, from Game I'm not on. on Top Gun. No, I want to know what other man candy y'all cannot resist. Oh. Dave. <laughs> wow. There's an agenda wow. here. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, oh, man candy, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, Steven Gerrard comes to mind. Uh, uh, Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> what? The renegade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Don Rickles. Uh, wow. Uh, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> the Goot. Steve Gutenberg. Oh, the Gutenberg. Oh the man. Wow. Um, who else? Who are we missing? Uh, that's, about every, that's about everybody, though. Fabio. Fabio. Pat Morita. Fabio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pat, well, Pat Morita, I, I admire him for his mind. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. His, mind's, like, his mind is sexy. His mind's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, what's his... Oh, dang it. Cheers, guy. What's his name? Ted, what's his face? Danson. Ted Danson. Ted Danson, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that. <laughs> I kind of got a thing for the Jonas Brothers. Oh. Um, now that's okay. Now we've been funny. That's 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 creepy, dude. Oh, okay. Sorry, I take it back. Well, here, here's, I'll edit it out. Here's one that's not creepy. Um, um, Nelson, the Mandela. band from the eighties. Oh, sorry. And oh. then and then also, uh, you know, who were those really hot chicks that were like Nelson? Uh, they were so hot. The blondes. The, the Hanson brothers. Hanson. Hanson. Yeah. Uh, the Some of the hottest chicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have ever seen <laughs> with penises. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. You know who They're I think They're all like he, grown up married with kids now. The, and they went uh, on they re- they re-released their Christmas special. Oh god. Like I totally don't get that, but Okay, okay. what well, talking about guys that look like girls, Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to yeah, I'll take care of Zac Efron. Yeah, I actually had a chance. I was at the at the opening of Watchmen. I was actually sitting directly behind him, and I remember leaving and being like, "Dude, I could have booted him in the back of the skull and killed him, and and really changed the world." <laughs> yeah, but, but I didn't. You got to remember, and I'm never going to have that opportunity again. I know. You got to remember that we're all in this together. That's right. <laughs> I would have. I just could have because he was sitting in front of me, and I could have just stretched my foot out and. And, and smashed him in the back of the skull, which might have killed him instantly. But you know, and he had he had that naked chick next to him who wasn't naked at the time. But it seems like every time that you know there's an internet thing, there's a new naked picture of her. So that's kind of cool. Who? The, his girlfriend in the movie. She's oh. always posting naked pictures of herself. Yeah, that look that her girl, up. That girl's wrong. Something's wrong with her. What do you mean? I don't know. Why? Because she's supposed to naked picture. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, what's no, wrong with that? No, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, she's. I don't know. I'm not sure. Rainbow from, parties, man. Rainbow from, parties. From what? My perspective, all the kids are doing it. From my perspective, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. God. Okay. Hey, quick, quick change of gears. Uh-oh. Um, just, just please for, for yeah, not uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, whoa, 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 don't don't ask how old Miley Cyrus is. All right. I mean, you've been begging to ask this for months. So no, I'm not. All right. Uh, in, 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 the, in the vein of, of Chuck's awesomeness in terms of creating a program to kind of help you know things get going, you talk about you know using technology in the game, using music and stuff like that. I want to tell you guys and everyone else who's listening about something that Gary Sarley, uh, Jedi counselor and, and one of the developers for Saga Edition, he introduced me to this free program called Syrenscape, like like syringe but Syrenscape, and. Um, the, the, the website is sirenscape.com, S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E.com. It is a free program that you download, and it's, it's stupidly simple. Um, but all it is is it is a music mixing program that allows you to create a file that you can put MP3s or waves into, and you can tag them to, um, to certain areas within a program so that I can, I can pull up the file basically and I can hit a button and all of a sudden I can have a background song that starts looping. And when the song ends, it'll fade it out and then fade it back up again. And I can add uh, the occasional like blaster fire or the sound of an X-wing flying overhead and it will loop it and I can set the interval so it only appears every 10 seconds or 50 seconds or 10 minutes or whatever. And I, you, know, you can add like a whole bunch of, I think like a dozen different sounds at once in this sort of continual loop and it really can create some awesome mood. It's awesome. That very, cool, very, wow. very cool program. I just want to tell people about it because it's free. And um, and I, I really I, I just got it because uh, I'm 
Gary kind of told me about it, and uh, I, I'm so anxious to use it in my games. So check it out, Sirenscape.com. M-O-O-N. That spells cool. Very, very. That's awesome. Can you can you do like sounds of volleyball with playing with the boys playing in the background and then yes, Tom a- Skerritt's voice? Actually, you <laughs> honestly could if you had the sound files to do but, it. But Tom Skerritt is. Oh, I have the sound files. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry, I I got the sound file. I've had the sound files for years. Yes, you you actually could. Yes. Yeah, you bet. Beautiful. That's awesome. Very nice. Awesome. Rock. Well, gentlemen, I got to uh, I got to skadoodle. Well, yeah, being that it's like eleven o'clock over there in the land of Low Orlando Bloom, the land of Orlando Bloom. Yes. Speaking, am, uh, speaking of guys that look like on. girls, I'm yeah. actually going to shoot you some links to some demo videos I put together of GM Helper for. Cool. For Sam, while we're sort of debugging things, so it's not necessarily the final state, but I think it'll give you a feel. Dude, send cool. it to us, and we'll get it up on our on the website, definitely. Oh well, I don't know. Do you is that intended no, for public consumption? Put it on the website, yeah. Yeah, for your right. eyes only. Okay, Sex that's what finger. I thought. Yeah, ah, I didn't think Sex I was ready for finger. public. Bum, 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 bum. There you are. Awesome. Right. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get a couple of these over for you. I'll send them. I'll send them now, and you guys can we can discuss what we want to do with them. Cool. How about that? All right, that we'll pack fantastic. the pipe in Thank advance you, with Sex Finger. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you so much. Hey, Thanks, man. Sam. Thank you very Thanks, much Chuck. for being here. Hey, okay. thank you, guys. Bam. Yep. The future of rock and roll. Oh, by the way. Yes. Sam. Yes, sir. You set a new record. Longest show. Oh, my goodness. Two hours, 53 minutes. <laughs> God. Well, Mr. Rodney, what's up? Why, Mr. Rodney, you could step up and make something happen? <laughs> Why you stop? Why you gotta keep making books when you could be on a podcast setting records? Dude, my defense yeah. is impregnable. Okay, beautiful. Is it Rodney's doing Black Sun? Which, by the way, I really want to check that out. Dude, pre-ordered cool. already. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and for God's sakes, uh, congratulations on the any, you guys. That was so cool. Thank you. Oh yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate That's it. That's awesome. All right, boys. Wicked. Gamer Nation. All right, Jim. See you later. Uh, for all of you in Gamer Nation land, thank you, Echo Base. Oh, oh, Trevor. And and can I? I just I just did a movie with this guy, so I wanna I just wanna say, can it's because I just did a movie with David Strathairn, who's the coolest guy, and I want to say, uh, good night and good luck, dude, man. That's how I like in yeah. the show a lot of times. So there you are. Stay hard, keep jamming, and we'll see you. <laughs>